October 2021, my parents came out here and helped me clean out my garage. It was just, it was just a lot. And then they helped paint my house with me. Anyway, cleaning out the garage, halfway through it, I remembered, <laughs> I remember when I first moved in, I took a crop whip that I used on one of my ex girlfriends and just <laughs> kind of tossed it somewhere in the garage. <laughs> That's hilarious. And I was like, holy shit, I wonder if anybody's come across the crop whip. <laughs> what is that? Like a cat of nine tails or something like that? Like one of it's those just like it's just one of those whips that you would use to smack the horse on the butt, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had an ex girlfriend who was into, you know, light BDSM. And, oh my god. Uh, I used to have uh fuzzy handcuffs and uh, some other there's a lot of stuff that you can use around the house. I'm a very, you know, uh, life hack kind of BDSM guy, you know, <laughs> like the MacGyver of BDSM. Yeah. You know, it's I'm 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 I'm, I'm the frugal BDSM. But she, <laughs> I would just use like telephone cord. You know? You've got to do like a TikToks where it's life hack BDSMs, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I would just, <laughs> Hello. Are you, missing, are you missing your gag? Have you considered trying a tennis ball? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. This is BDSM on a budget. You see, you see me take it out of the little dog's mouth, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Going into Petco and getting one of those Kongs. <laughs> yeah. You can use a Kong as a budget butt plug. <laughs> There's no flange on it, so be careful. You got to just, yeah. <laughs> That's the sequel video, going to the ER to get it out. <laughs> I might make this the intro to next PCL. <laughs> Episode 453. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Morty, get over here. We gotta do a pop culture leftovers intro. What are you talking about, Rick? I'm really worried. Is our show going off the air? No, of course not, Morty. Don't be an idiot. It's just that... It's just... That show sucks, Rick. Don't worry about that, Morty. Uh, They couldn't even afford the real voice actors, Morty. Anyway, wubba-lubba-dub-dub, or whatever the fuck we say. And, uh, Plumbus, Mr. Poopy Butthole, Dr. Clip-Clop, Rick and Morty stuff. So, enjoy this episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. Hope you like shit. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Joe. And And we're we're the the Leftovers. leftovers. That was fucking perfect, dude. Third time was the charm. That was fucking (laughs) perfect. That was perfection, man. That was like in unison. It was like, you know, I mean, we were just like... Perfectly synced there, Joe. I felt like we were twins, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito in that goddamn movie. And, you know, of course, (laughs) 
of course, you were the one on the island, and I was the idiot that, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so. No, it felt good, dude. It felt good to finally stick the landing on that. Yeah, it was good, man. I have a feeling that you were listening to the episodes, and you were practicing. <laughs> I've got a loop made. <laughs> <laughs> Because if you Sit didn't get toilet, it, and we're the leftovers, and we're the, yeah, and, and if you didn't get it this week, I was gonna put you through like a battery of tests and keep doing it until you got it correct. <laughs> and you did it on the first try. Montage. I feel like a proud papa. <laughs> so, something my father never felt. I got that one up Aww. on you, Dad. I got that one up on you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> At least I denied him of it. <laughs> We've got a guest, Joe. Let's bring him on. We've got Wayne from PCW, which is Podcast Championship Wrestling. Welcome, Wayne. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Look at you all fucking reserved and shit. Like, the first time you were like, hey, you're acting like a fucking jag bag. <laughs> and, 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 now, and now I've like, I've browbeaten you. I, you know what I, I mean? Well, I used to have three hays, and then right away I had to dial it back. Dial it back a hay, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you know we know Joe has the the original hay, so. Hey, stoked to be here. Yeah, that's Joe. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> he can't really say that anymore now because it's like, I, hey, I stoked to be here every week. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I get to say it on our Last of Us episodes now, so that's fun. Yeah, that's you, true. You yeah. say whatever he tells you. Say dance, monkey. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I, you know, I got to do this. Let's do this now before I forget. I've had listeners send me Christmas gifts, which I still have not opened. So I'm going to do that now. Uh, this one. Guys, we're going to get to the content. If you don't want to listen to me opening gifts, you know what to do. You've got fingers. You can touch the fucking fast forward button. Don't piss and moan about it. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, people bitch about shit, John. Yeah, you, know? you, gotta, you gotta cut them off at the fast. Yeah, I know you're thinking about messaging me. Like, couldn't he open this like off air? Like, <laughs> no, I want people to, like, the the people that yeah. If you were the That's fucker right. that sent me the fucking gift, you'd want to hear me open it. But you didn't because you don't fucking care. The only thing you fucking send me is your fucking uh, nonsensical bullshit about me opening gifts on the air that you don't like. Why you, why, why, where were you when I was doing stuff that you enjoyed to have you listen to the fucking episode in the first place? Did you tell me you liked that shit? No, you just come out and tell me the shit you don't like. Sorry. <laughs> I got know, it's the, always, best, the best gifts are those five-star reviews that people should be leaving. Thank you. The best gifts is when I've never heard from you before ever and you tell me you've been listening for the longest time and the first time you're reaching out to me is to tell me what you don't like. I have... Zero respect for you, insta block. Fuck off. Anyway. I don't think that that's too much to ask either. Yeah. That's always mind blowing where it's like, I listen this long, but I just need to reach out and give you this criticism. Yeah. What, what? Or, or, or this burning idea I have on how you can make your show better. And it's like, oh, please. Mm. Just please because you've been listening that long, does that give you some sort of like ownership or stock option in the fucking podcast, buddy? <laughs> What do you think? You're just going to slide in there, be be Brian's co-host one day? That's never going to happen. <laughs> they get a vote. <laughs> I demand a seat at the table. <laughs> get out of here. Round table of PCL. This one comes from Stephen Redgrave of the Dissecti Dissecting 
this fiction podcast. Steven, I'm opening it up right now. It's a flat package. Not talking about your dick, Wayne. Don't get all bent out of shape. <laughs> Andre the Giant would have other things to say. Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, I, I, Wayne, I've heard you pack a hog down there, sir. I tuck it into my sock. <laughs> I, it looks, I but feel like. flat like it's a cartoon that got ran over by a steamroller. Yeah. Wiley Coyote. Strikes again. Alright, it's a I know it's a print. I'm gonna pull this out. What do we got here? Oh god damn it. I've wanted this. This is going in my bathroom. It's the it's the xenomorph. It's the alien from Alien and Aliens and other such alien movies sitting on the toilet knitting. <laughs> That's excellent. I've wanted this forever. This is actually I've had this like on a wish list, I think, on like uh Etsy. I never picked it up. I maybe he overheard me. I think he overheard me talking about how much I loved it at C two E two. You, this is awesome. This is going in my bathroom. Thank you so much. We were just talking about this like last episode about Joe not seeing Alien for what thirty years. Aliens, aliens. How, Joe? How long has it been since you seen Alien? Oh, that one I'd seen much sooner. I I watched that one in. Oh, is it probably like around 2010 or so is the last time I watched that one? Okay. I will. This one comes from. Oh, well, well, well uh, you're still talking about more or less Stephen Redgrave. Yeah. Um, I should mention that he sent me a, a copy of the Blu-ray of Sonic 2. It was so nice of him. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It just showed up in the mail one day and I'm like. Well, where did this come from? It has no name or anything on it. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, like a month ago, he asked me for my address. And so I texted him. I'm like, this just showed up. I didn't order it, but you are my prime suspect. <laughs> Thank <laughs> really you, cool Stephen. Guy. Thank you, Stephen. I'm going to get that framed and pop that in the bathroom. Uh, let's see here. This one comes from Brooke Doherty. Brooke Doherty. And this, I think it's uh, packaged in Fleur de Lou, which is her Etsy store. So maybe it's something from her store. Let's open this up. I hope it's a sex bomb. Oh, shit. No, she got this for me. She got uh, it's uh, New Mutants number 30 with a variant. I believe this has got to be a variant cover. Yeah, it's a design variant cover. And it's of uh, Magic, um, who is my favorite female Marvel character. I love Magic. And I remember she reached out to me and was asking me, like, what book should I read to get into this character? And I gave her the issues that she should read because Magic has an incredible origin story like you would not believe and you fall in love with the character. And this is an awesome cover. Thank you so fucking much. Anything magic I can get my hands on, I love it. So thank you so much, Brooke. This is dope. That's an incredible gift. And then finally, I don't even know who this comes from. I just, it was an Amazon package. I started to open it and realized it was a gift. And so I stopped. So who does this come from? We're going to get to the content. <laughs> oh shit i love you philip it's philip uh merry christmas and happy early birthday brian it was awesome getting to see you again at, in august at c2e2 and i'm so excited to be back in april from philip guillet thank you philip what did you send me what did you send me oh my god philip i love that guy oh he, philip is the best philip is awesome man i always love having him on i always love seeing him Let's open this up. 
feel like it's Blu-rays. Ah, it's the skull of a dead animal. Philip, what is wrong with you? No. Ah! <laughs> I joke it myself. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, bro. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Uh, Holy fuck. It's actually, it's DVDs. It's an 18-disc set of the entire complete series for Quantum Leap with Scott Bakula. No fucking way. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. 97 thrilling episodes from five seasons, all on DVD. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Oh, this is fantastic. Wow. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, my God. Thank <laughs> you so much. Like an eBay find or something like that. I don't know. I haven't seen these. That's awesome. That's so cool. Philip always sends me, like, the coolest stuff. Like, I'll mention on an episode that I don't have, like, this movie or I've, had, or I've never seen it. Where I love this movie, and then come Christmas time, boom, open it up. Philip Guillet sends me this movie, like sends me a movie. It's so cool. So thank you, Philip. This is this is the best one so far. Awesome, Quantum Leap. Whew. All right, gentlemen. Thank you, everyone, for the gifts. Appreciate that, and thank you for putting up, listening to me. Open up gifts. Let's get to. Uh, we actually have a uh, contest right now. This was not for digital codes. This is not for Blu-rays. Um, I actually, if you're in, if you're going to be in the Los Angeles area uh, between March 31st and April 4th, I've got five tickets. For Paley Fest. Paley Fest is uh, the hottest festival in town. It's happening from March 31st to April 4th of this year. Be the first to get advanced ticket sales and the best seats at a discount when you become a Paley member. The stars from your favorite TV show are waiting for you. Go to PaleyCenter.org for tickets and lineup. So if you're in that area and you want to see the lineup, go to paleypaleycenter.org for tickets and the lineup. And I, I was asked, like, you know, what do you want tickets for? What events? And they had, you know, uh, you know, uh, Yellowstone and they had, uh, the Mandalorian. And I asked for five Mandalorian tickets for our listeners. So I've got five. You're going to be able to watch The Mandalorian with a group of people on a screen and enjoy watching The Mandalorian with a group of people and if you're out in that area. So just all you need to do for this one, I got five tickets. I don't know if we've got enough listeners out in that area that are interested and will be in town or if you're going to be in town uh, from March 31st to uh, April 4th. But I got I got the five tickets and... Uh, yeah, uh, Paley Fest is bringing you the galactic cast of Star Wars, The Mandalorian. Don't miss this once in a lifetime in-person experience happening at the Dolby Theater. Get advanced tickets when you become a Paley member and choose your seating first. Tickets go on sale January 17th and sell out fast so don't miss out. You're one click away. Remember, go to paleycenter.org. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I've got five tickets. And um, yeah, just send me an email, title it PaleyFest, that's P-A-L-E-Y-F-E-S-T, PaleyFest, send it to contest at popcultureleftovers.com. And um, I'm going to be putting out a PaleyFest tweet and a PaleyFest Facebook post. All you have to do is share the post or retweet it. Screenshot that you did, send it to me at contest at popcultureleftovers.com, and you'll be entered to win one of five tickets for PaleyFest. That sounds incredible. It is cool. Hopefully, we've got some listeners in the area that want to take part in the festivities and join up. Because, if I mean, that's going to be the time we're all at C2E2. But if you can't make it to C2E2 and you're in the Los Angeles area and you want to go to Paley Fest, check it out. I think it's cool, man. I'm glad that they they offered this for our listeners. And we thank Paramount. (laughs) Thank you so much. And now... We've got some iTunes reviews to play. Ah, excellent. Where are they? What the fuck is the iTunes bumper? Jesus, fuck. I can't find the iTunes bumper, Joe. (laughs) Quick, Joe, sing it. There it is. The rating system. That's a rating system. (laughs) Where the fuck is the iTunes bumper? (laughs) It's one star All right. First iTunes review comes from Mark NH. Guessing the NH stars uh, means, excuse me, means uh, New Hampshire. I'm guessing, Joe. What do you think? That is a very good guess. What do you think, Wayne? Always NH? go for postal cords, postal codes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Hmm. It's either that or no ham. <laughs> No hands. He's writing this with his toes. No, I said yeah. no ham. Like the like yeah. the the pork product. The the, the pig for the, comes from the pig. <laughs> yeah, Mark. No hands. He like he pecked this with his fucking nose. That's dedication, Joe. That's dedication to write an iTunes review with your fucking. You're pecking it with your nose. <laughs> Mark. No hands. He's like that's his gangster name. Mark. No hands. You're going to be hoping for that predictive text to be spot on when you're just typing with your nose. Yeah. It's titled Great Show until this episode. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) My joke was no ham. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) No ham. Anyway, great show. Five stars. Just wanted to say this is my favorite podcast. Looking forward to listening to you guys every week. Happy Brian, you got your review. Yeah, I'm a little I'm happier. I'm not like I'm not fucking jumping over the moon there, no hands. But uh He's satisfied for one more week. <laughs> I'm satisfied for one more week that we got we got you know, we got a couple reviews this week. So I am satisfied with that. We're sitting at nine hundred and sixty-nine reviews. This honestly, we used to get like over a hundred reviews every year. And this la- the, like 2022, it was just at a standstill. Nobody gave a fuck about reviews. Nobody was sending them in. I want to hit a thousand. I want to hit a thousand before the fall. That's Hell all. Yes. Keep oh. sending in those reviews. I want to hear that bumper yeah. every episode. Thirty. I, not to play. I need thirty. I need thirty-one more reviews to hit to hit a thousand. I want it to say one k. 
I'm sick of looking at this 900. I like 969. 69's funny, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll ride that for a little bit, but you, yeah. need, you need to take it up a notch. Yeah, let's get it to 1,069, guys. I want to hit 1K. I want to hit 1K. I want us to have 1K. That's a milestone for me. Once we hit that milestone, I'll just pack up the show altogether and we'll be done. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But I do. I want to hit it before the fall. And I, th- then if we don't hit it before the fall, that's when I will hold the show hostage. And I'll be like, ah, I'm not feeling it anymore. So I don't care what you have to do. If you have to uh, beat an old lady and take her iPhone and, and then and – then, no, I'm kidding. Do not do that. <laughs> But I want these reviews. Let's get us to 1K. Let's hit 1,000. God, I feel like I'm on like a, one of those uh, telethons. Let's yeah, get, telethon. Yeah. <laughs> we need somebody to get one of those spinny arrow signs and, and find a busy intersection. I need to walk into a busy as an intersection, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> <laughs> after play some frogger. after my no ham con comment, I should be. <laughs> I should be. The, the, if there was podcasting police, they should come in here and strip me of all my equipment. You know what I mean? Like when they come in and they just take all your shit. <laughs> we heard your ham joke. Yeah, you. <laughs> We're here to take your stuff. <laughs> and they just pack it up in evidence boxes. <laughs> Give me that rotocaster. You don't deserve this. <laughs> uh, we'll also take those Quantum Leap DVDs as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> That's really twisting the knife. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's evidence. Oh, man. Awesome. We got, we got, so thank you there, Mark NH. Uh, we got one here from every nickname taken, third try. And it's titled Long Time. <laughs> I know. I love Great it. Name. I think Jake would even like that one. Uh, it's uh, it's t- it's titled "Longtime Listener, First Time Reviewer," and it says, "Love the show. Uh, been listening for years now. Never entered a contest either, but maybe the chastising help because here I am. The show rocks. You guys are funny, and all the regulars are pretty awesome as well. Former video store and Best Buy employee uh, who loves to nerd out with you guys weekly. I now work in a steakhouse in New York City, and I get a lot of regulars." In the movie industry, people in the industry do talk about awards more than you would think. I always find that interesting. Anyway, be on the lookout, Monica. I'm coming for some of those Blu-ray and digital codes. Just saying hi. Mike B. is coming for all them codes. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. New name to be writing down during these contests. Keep Keep up the good podcasting. And uh, I could ramble for days. Uh, five out of five all day. And that comes from every nickname taken third try. Uh, great. I, for a moment there, he's like former video store owner, Joe. I was thinking it was Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> That'd be excellent. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino, if you didn't know, worked at a video store, everybody. Anyway, can you imagine? Can you imagine going into that video store back in the day? And never knowing, like, you're, like, getting movies from this guy who's checking you out. And never knowing, like, like this guy's going to be, like, one of the biggest filmmakers in all of all of history. And then, yeah, like, no, re- it's, it's wild. coming to that, realiza- like, that realization later, like, oh, my God. Like, turning on the TV 
and seeing him on TV in an interview and being like, oh, my God, I remember that guy. That guy recommended this movie to me or whatever. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. To just be standing there and unaware of the fact that, like, the potential that just resides in this this ordinary citizen working a shitty job. It's like someday this guy is going to explode. He's going to write some really fucking good scripts and make Mm -hmm. some movies that still get talked about 30 years later. You know, it's... Dude's got an incredible mind, incredible vision. I mean, yeah, he's like one of the guys that like did this watching the movie scenes out of order thing first, right? Like Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah, that was. I think that was the first time I ever saw that movie. I remember I went and and saw that in the theater. And so when did that come out? Was it ninety ninety four? That was ninety ninety four or ninety five. I think it was ninety four. Yeah, Reservoir Dogs was ninety two. That was ninety four, I believe. Yeah, because I remember it, it it had been out long enough to where it was in the cheap seats of this like little little low rent theater that was behind the mall in Cedar Rapids where I grew up, and and me and my buddy went and saw that, and I'd just seen some trailers for it, and I was like, this movie looks fucking wild, let's go see it, and it was one of those movies that really blew my mind and like opened young Joe up to a, a whole new world of of cinema and, and and soundtracks as well. I remember getting the soundtrack for mm-hmm. that, and just loving it. I mean, there's been, and there's been so many people trying to replicate that style with the dialogue, with like, uh, you know, the cool stylistic things that happen in their movies. You know, it's like Die Hard comes out and that sets the tone for like a bunch of action movies to come out. But like Quentin Tarantino set the tone for like directors trying to, to hit that level and like hit that level of storytelling that he did in his movies. The part that blew, I love a lot, I love Pulp Fiction. I think it's a fucking fantastic movie. But the part that always like, just blew me away is the part where Bruce Willis Butch is going back to get the to get the watch, and he happens yeah, going to go back to his apartment. Yeah, he's going back after she leaves it there, and he happens to just go back at the time where fucking Vincent's taking a shit, and he leaves the fucking machine gun on the fucking counter. Yeah, it's just and the timing I, of all that. I shit. know. It's just like you know. Because in any other fucking movie before that, it would have been him, uh-huh. like, sneaking around the corner and shit like that and then, like, fighting the guy, right? Mm-hmm. And instead, yeah. it's just, like, in this movie, it's just, like, the bad guy just fucking, you know, makes a bad decision, puts the gun down <laughs> to take a shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Literally caught with his pants down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. That- and also, the other thing leading up to it is it wouldn't have even happened if Butch wouldn't have stopped to have a Pop-Tart. Right. He's cruising on out the door and he's like, oh, fuck it. Fuck it. I've gotten this far. I'm going to have a Pop-Tart. Yeah. He's taking a bite of that hot, gooey Pop-Tart and sees a fucking Mac-10 or whatever sitting on the counter. Because you know know damn well that if he would have shown up just a little bit earlier, Mm as soon as he opens that door, you know, he's getting – Yeah, yeah. That's it. You're dead. Oh, I love – it's so – it's just brilliant, man. Just fucking brilliant. That's what I I, – he's – you know, the next movie is the last one, Joe. Next movie's the, no, and, it's and the I'm, I'm really not ready for that. Mm, yeah, I'm not either, man. Ah, man. Now, thank you for the iTunes reviews, everybody. Don't don't forget about them. Keep sending them in. Let's hit 1K. I say let's, and it's just me, but you know, and Joe. So <laughs> <laughs> do it for me and Joe. <laughs> do do it for do it for me, who was bitching you guys out earlier, moments moments before. Uh, Joe, 
Talk to me, Goose. Every fucking week I come in here and I got like something cute to say. And we're like, hey, you know, last week it was Andre the Giant's penis. <laughs> and you said this week you had something. And I'm telling you, Joe, if it doesn't live up to Andre the Giant's dick, you're in trouble. <laughs> this better be fucking good. This better, no, this no, better be fucking like good, Joe. Dude. Okay, so so I get off work earlier, and I, I go walking out into the kitchen, and my wife's making a couple of sandwiches, peanut butter on one side, yeah. marshmallow cream on the other. And so she slaps them together, and then Aiden comes walking out behind me, and Lindsay turns around, hands it, and she goes, hey, I made you a fluffer nutter. And I'm like, I wait, like, I just get this big <laughs> smile on my face. I'm like, gotta wait for the 15-year-old to leave the room. <laughs> I kind of peek down the hallway, hear his bedroom door close, and I look at Lindsay with a big grin. I'm like, a fluffer is the person that keeps a male porn star hard in between shoots so that essentially when the time is right, he can become a nutter. <laughs> what a job, you know? <laughs> <laughs> she stares at me deadpan, not even cracking a smile. She goes, don't ruin this. <laughs> I've heard that the fluffer is a myth. That it's not yeah, a real thing. So. I've heard. I've, I've heard. I heard I've, on this uh, show Stiff Socks, they were talking to a porn star. Socks. Yes. They were talking to a uh, a porn star, and, and that's true. Like, it's so it's so true. It's so weird that you fucking bring this up, Joe, because I just saw a TikTok video on this shit. <laughs> that's wild. It's like, you know, like... If you ever think about wanting to like work in the porn business and not being like an actual porn star, it's like no, I, I, maybe I want to be the guy who holds like the the boomstick, like the the sound stick, but not a fluffer. I wouldn't want to be a fluffer. Who would want to be a fluffer? Brian? I don't know. Someone who really likes sucking dicks. Like what are you out there? Yeah, what? I don't know. It's like you know, trying to get a regular job after that, and they're like, what you know, what did you do in your pre- previous work? <laughs> Oh, I kept dicks hard. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> How do you spin that All on right. a cover letter or like a resume? Depending on the <laughs> depending on the person who's going to be your future employer, they might hire you based on that. Massage therapist? I don't know. <laughs> I'm a I'm a great team member in helping to handle a heavy load. Yeah, yeah. I'm a real hands on person. <laughs> <laughs> I'll suck your dick. <laughs> I never let the opportunity slide through my fingers. You know, I always keep a firm grip on the task at hand. Always finish. I always finish on time. <laughs> no, it's important to not let them finish. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, yeah, that is true. That is very true. <laughs> I'm an expert at taking the ball right up to the goal line and then handing it off so that the star can run it across. <laughs> School projects back in high school, I used to do all the work <laughs> and then just hand it in and everybody else would put their names on the project. Uh, I think I think we're scraping <laughs> okay. the bottom of the barrel with these now. Me <laughs> <laughs> and Joe could have kept going. I know. It's like, you guys are slaying me with the hands-on shit and the teamwork and then, <laughs> and, and then it got more detailed and less funny. <laughs> so, like, we didn't get like the, – the thing I really want to know is how was the sandwich? It looks like it would be a really good sandwich. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I was curious. I mean, but no, I, I immediately Googled that shit. I'm like, this can't be what it's really called. It's like, yeah, it's like on foodnetwork.com. It's really called a fluffer nutter. Wasn't that, was, was the sandwich that Elvis liked to eat, wasn't it the, the peanut butter and banana sandwiches? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You can see him with a hard on in one of his movies. We talked about that in a previous episode. <laughs> I was like, where did I hear that? Oh, wait, here. Yeah. This is where I've heard it. This is where I've heard that Snapple fact. He was, yeah. Oh, the king's got a hard on, baby. Ding, dang, do. <laughs> Jailhouse cock. I think I said that joke on the previous episode, too. I'm recycling shit, Joe. Yeah, it works. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Anyway, you guys ready to jump into good pop, bad pop? Let's jump in. I I, I hit that a little early. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All righty. I finished uh, the uh, final episode of uh, Chainsaw Man for for season one. I finished that yesterday. I, I love the season fantastic it just got better as it went absolute tupperware for chainsaw man you can watch it on crunchyroll and i believe it's also on hulu and then uh joe i finished that 90s show excellent so what did you think first episode how was it overall i it took it took me it took me a few episodes to really get into it i mean i was there for for red and kitty at the beginning uh and then i stuck around because i did start to enjoy the kids a lot more. I think it was episode five or six. So they did a, a 90210 episode that had me fucking rolling. So I stuck with it. I'm still digging it. And uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'm hoping for a season two. So I did. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I Excellent. Think, yeah. Excellent. Did you finish episode 10 and immediately wish there was an episode 11? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to you know, it, ten episodes for a sitcom. I'm happier with though, Joe. To be honest with you, I'm sick of like the. I can't watch like the NBC, CBS no, crap. It's like twenty. No, I don't want to watch twenty four fucking episodes of something. Yeah. Ten just went mm-hmm. by so fast when they're you know because they're essentially twenty two minute episodes. If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, around that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that whole season just flew by. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So, yeah, that's that 90s show on Netflix. Um, Joe, did you watch anything that you wanted to go over? Uh, yeah, I watched last night. Let me didn't put it on the list, but I saved it in my... Okay, I watched House of Darkness, which is a 2022 horror mystery that stars Justin Long and Kate Bosworth. How is that? I've heard mixed reviews. I mean, Justin Long was most recently in Barbarian, which I absolutely loved. And this one was actually playing at one theater near me. And I was going to try to make it in, but I never did. How was House of Darkness? Dude, this would have been a fantastic one to just walk into cold in the theater and and see. Like, I'm not going to lie. Um, I'll, I'll read this, the summary for this. After meeting in a local bar, a man accompanies a beautiful and mysterious woman back to her luxurious and secluded estate. However, he soon gets more than he bargained for when their playful flirtation turns into something sinister. 
Um, this is it was great. It set up a really good atmosphere of suspense going in where you just slowly for me, my experience with it was just slowly starting to dislike Justin Long's character more and more and get more and more curious and not really like worried, but kind of excited to see where this is going to turn with what's going on in this estate. This is one of those movies where the more blind you can go into it, the better that this movie I think will work for you. So I really don't want to say too much more other than it's, it's really easily accessible right now. It was, it was on Hulu if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. Uh, let me double check that real quick. I should have jotted that down. But yeah, this movie was, it's only like an hour and a half long. It goes by really fast and it was great it, for, for a horror thriller. This was right up my alley and, and not, not the only movie in this kind of vein that, that came out in 2022. And I, I think it's worthy of the movie that it's kind of similar to as well is all I will cryptically say. It's one of those, if you know, you know, okay. <laughs> type scenarios, but house of darkness is well worth the price of admission. All right. Okay. I will check it out because, uh, I don't know. I like Justin Long. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Tusk, uh, the Kevin Smith movie. It just kind of like huh. the, bo- yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I saw enough of trailers and just scenes and stuff from Tusk where I was yeah. like, I don't know if I'm ever going to watch this. I love Kevin Smith, yeah. but this is, this is a, a weird fever dream born of a podcast with a buddy. And yeah. I don't think I want to see it. Well, I, House I, of Darkness is indeed on Hulu, by the way. House of Darkness is on Hulu. And then I loved him in Barbarian. I'll give this a shot, man. I just heard mixed reviews on it. Um, and I didn't get a chance to catch it. I wish I would have gone now after hearing what you, uh, what you said about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a high taste it for me. It was a, a very, very, Good watch. And also, it's only 90 minutes for a horror thriller. It's perfect. Perfect way to kill some time. That is good. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. House of Darkness on Hulu. Check it out. Let's talk about um, Poker Face. This dropped on Peacock. I- I've been looking forward to this one ever since I saw it announced. It's uh, created by Ryan Johnson. and stars uh, Natasha Leone, who I think is fantastic. I loved her in uh, Russian Doll. And uh, her working with Ryan Johnson, I was just like, I've got to see this. It's a mystery of the week series following Charlie Kale, who has an extraordinary ability to determine when someone is lying. She hits the road in her Plymouth Barracuda and with every stop encounters a new cast of characters and strange crimes she can't help but solve. Guest stars are plentiful throughout from Ellen Barkin and Adrian Brody to Luis Guzman, uh, Chloe Savigny. Uh, an inverted detective series also known as a How Ketchum and popularized by Columbo. The crime and perpetrator are shown at the beginning of each episode and follows Charlie as she tries to solve the mystery. What I, what I really liked about this show is the fact that you get to see, uh, the crime being committed first and then flashback to how Charlie Kale is involved in this. And we get to see certain scenes kind of play out again, but now her involvement in it and why she's a part of this. And then we watch how the rest of the, of the mystery plays out. And it, it's definitely a mystery of the week. So she's like, the first episode has to deal with her and this casino by the end of the episode, the owner of the, con- of the of the casino 
is trying to track her down. So she's on the run and that's where the rest of these mysteries are taking place as she's like driving across the country. And, um, I even got a text from my mom about this. She's like, are you watching Poker Face? She's like, I really enjoy it. I like that lady. And I'm like, yeah. And so I told her, I said, yeah, it's very good. I'd only watched two episodes by at that point. They dropped four and I've watched all four. I just think it's a really fun show. And I like how, you know, it's Ryan Johnson and, you know, he always has a nice big ensemble cast in the Knives Out movies, you know. And with this, it's, it's, it's ensemble in the sense of every week he's got different, uh, actors that uh, a lot of people are going to be familiar with in each episode. I'm very happy to see that, of course, he's going to be working with Joseph Gordon Levitt again. He's coming up in future episode. Levitt is always in every Ryan Johnson project, whether it's him starring, uh, or just a voice. So he's always involved in every Ryan Johnson project. But, um, yeah, I'm at a Tupperware. I fucking love it. I just think it's fun. I just think it's fun. If you want to get into some of the nitpicky shit with it, I guess you could. But each episode, it's just, it's the same character we're following, but it's a new mystery. And I, I'm having fun with it. It's just a fun show. Um, I'm at a Tupperware, but, uh, Joe, what did you think about, uh, Poker Face? Dude, th- this is an easy Tupperware for me. This was my favorite thing we watched this week. Uh, my wife and I watched it together. We watched all four episodes, and we really took our time with it, too. We watched, I think, the first two episodes the first night, and then the next night we watched the third episode, and then the following day we watched the fourth episode. And and it was really nice to 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 have four episodes. And when I first read that four episodes were dropping, I was assuming this was going to be a half-hour series. But no, these are hour-long episodes. I mean, you really get your money's worth. And for them to drop four hours of the show right off the bat, I mean, what a treat. And like you were saying, I was a huge fan of Natasha Leone and Russian Doll. And and Russian Doll's also got this vibe where she's trying to solve this mystery of what's going on to her in that series. And so to see her actually step into a murder mystery, it's such a perfect fit. Um, she works so well in this show. She's just got this attitude that is so fun to go along with. Um, she's kind of sarcastic, great sense of humor. And this the way that that each episode is is pretty much self-contained, that you can almost jump in on this series anywhere and it'll work just the way that they have these episodes done. And and the however they described it, I don't remember the exact wording, but the 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 how to murder or whatever they called it. The how catch them. How catch them. And that is a, a perfect example of this. And with them referencing older shows like Columbo, the, the, like the, the font that they use in the title card and the opening credits has even got like a very old timey feel to it Yeah, where it looks like the sort of font in title card you'd see on something that's on a reel to reel. It's, it's this off color of, of yellow. Like it, it feels very late seventies, early eighties. And the way that that she's living this life where she's just on the road and each episode she's solving a different mystery. It's it's very exciting and it fits so well into this world of mis- murder mysteries that Ryan Johnson is quickly becoming one of my favorite like creators within. Um, I, I saw you had posted on our Facebook page uh, um, something about saying you want to see uh, Benoit Blanc and and Charlie Kale joining up together and i was thinking those exact same thoughts after watching this is that would be such a fun combination in if not just like 
if not just like a cameo in an episode to actually see it in a movie, it would it would kind of be wild. Here's the scene. Here's the scene I want, Joe. Charlie Kell tells a lie and he calls her out. (laughs) I hadn't even considered that. That'd be so much fun. Right. Oh, man. But it it would slot right into that world because, I mean, in a way, the 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 character in Knives Out that. um, Oh, the female lead. I'm I'm totally blanking on her name right now. Natasha Leone? Uh no, in Knives Out. Oh. Uh, which one? I mean, we've got uh, the like the the one that can't tell a lie without throwing up. I don't know. <laughs> Anya de, uh, Anna de Armas. Anna de Armas. There, there you go. Wow. <laughs> Write this down. This was when I started showing signs of early onset dementia or some shit. Yeah. Um, but like that's a very similar character in that she couldn't tell a lie. But then this character can tell if somebody else is lying or not. It just feels like it's in that same vein. So like a team up between these two would be just fantastic. And but yeah, I mean, I loved this show. I can't wait for the rest of it. I don't know yet how many episodes it's going to be, but I'm excited for every single one of them. And I really hope that from here on out, they're dropping them just one episode a week so that I can really kind of prolong the (laughs) prolong the enjoyment of of this series. And I'm already hoping it's going to get greenlit for a second season because this is just fantastic television. When they dropped four, I was under the assumption that it was just going to be four episodes total. And then I got back onto the app and it said new episodes drop Thursdays. And I was like, holy shit, we're getting more. (laughs) This is awesome. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I just I just think it's fun. It's just a fun watch and it's I'm never not engaged with the mystery. I like the characters. I thought the heavy metal episode was a blast. The barbecue. <laughs> yes, I was singing that song earlier. <laughs> yes. The barbecue episode was great. I it's just Dude, a who fun knew show. Little Rel- Howry had that had that range either. Yeah, he was like, very I, good. I've never seen him play a character that that is like that. Yeah. And I finished that episode and I was like, "Damn, dude, you're not just like this buddy with like a, a an offbeat voice it's like you've got chops buddy that's fucking rad i feel like ryan johnson watched russian doll and said i want to work with her <laughs> yeah yeah for mm-hmm. sure wayne poker face dude i i give this to tupperware as well i, I love this thing <laughs> we're at a tupperware I, I tupperware party for poker face guys exactly. that's awesome dude I, I like i know her from uh i was introduced to her in orange is the new black so I really liked uh, I liked her from the get go. Like oh, I saw her, Joe, I was. It's American yes. Pie for us, dude. Oh yeah, American Pie as well. Um, but like, I, I I like the way her acting was in this. It, it made me feel like her her character from you know how laid back she is. Natasha's uh, laid back character in Orange Is the New Black. I got those kind of vibes from this show. Um, but it, it was very fun, and I wasn't aware that these were like separate entities of these episodes so that like makes it so much cooler um because you know just that i mean i i've only seen one episode so like even as a hook for the the show in general it was such a good first episode um i it was weird seeing adrian brody as a a bad guy because i don't normally picture him as a bad guy but it's nice to see him cast and his big nose cast as well uh (laughs) 
uh, I I really love this show. I hope I don't know because I haven't seen the other ones, but I hope we get more into uh, her ability to read people's bullshit. Like we got a little bit of it, but I, I want to see more. Like what other things are you when you're talking to her directly? That she can call out your bullshit. Like what things like with twitching of the eye. I'm always looking for it. And it made me think of myself like what do I do when I lie? Uh, is there something that I do like a tell? I don't know. But she seems like the type of person to fucking be able to tell. Um, if she's on the road constantly running. Do, like for a season final. Do, do you think this might be something all this shit might catch up with her? At oh, the end yeah. of this season? I think, oh, for sure. Yeah, 100%. And I don't know if they're going to wrap up like what we saw in the first episode or if this, or it's just going to be like overarching throughout exactly. every season. I'm curious. Yeah. Because, like, you know, there's some shit that's left behind there. It's like, I want answers, you know? And, like, I'm looking at this other cast that's on here. I was like, oh, dude, I'm excited. Like, Ron Perlman, Nick Nolte, Tyler Blake Nelson, short, Joseph Gordon Levitt, like, there's a lot of people in this fucking show. Mm-hmm. I think a like, lot of people want to work with Ryan Johnson. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, like, so I'm, like, I, I was, like, I put my foot in the door. I, I'm, I'm so, totally in 10 episodes, it looks like. Like, I'm, I'm down for, like, the, the slow burn of this show. Because, like, if it's going week to week, I'm going to enjoy that way more than, like, a burning of episodes back to back. Oh yeah, I want to like I I need that week break to see like where is she going to end up next episode, you know? So Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So Joe, do you see her Yeah, go ahead. Joe, do you think the dog goes with her from now on? Oh gosh, I hope so. I think the dog will go no, with her until no, she No, the dog does not. Really? The dog does not. I'm just remembering the the one of the last scenes of the episode. The dog is hanging out with the guy who does the voices in the radio station. Very oh. content because that's the guy who does the radio show that the dog loves. Gotcha. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so the dog's all happy. Oh, that's great. I didn't catch that. I did not catch yes, that. Yes, yes. Okay, that's awesome. I started writing fanfic in my head, and I was like, no, 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 no. no, no. I remember now. Yeah. <laughs> and, dude, I got to tell you, when you said earlier, Natasha Leone, American Pie, I hadn't put those together yet, and you blew my fucking mind. Real quick, I was running through the cast, and I'm like, she was the girl's that's best right. friend. Yeah. Oh, my God. You did not remember that? I did not until you said it. All It was... You know, all of a sudden, everything clicked into my place, into place in my brain, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" I just always thought she was so talented in 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 American Pie. I always loved her fucking wisecracking, like mm-hmm. snarky character. Yes, her yeah. delivery I just it was so funny. Yeah, the, that she got the one kid the flask, and he's excited, and she's like, "This doesn't mean I'm gonna fuck you." And he's like, "Oh." Yes. Oh, God. Her and Finch, man, always cracked me the fuck up. Mm -hmm. Yes. yes, He paid her to spread a rumor, right? Yes. Remembering correctly? Yeah. Yeah. I fucking, (laughs) I I thought she was great in that. And then it's like, I'm sure she was still working, but I felt like her big roles had gone dry. And then Russian Doll comes along. And now it's like, she's just had like this explosion where, you know, people are talking about Natasha Leone again, and I'm so happy for her because she's so fucking great. Um, fantastic. Did you watch that second season of Russian Doll? Not yet. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's it, it gets it's it's definitely a different take than the first uh, first season, but yeah. I know it's going to be in for a third. 
Okay. And I'll be there for it. But yeah. I definitely preferred the first season to the second, but I can see that it's going somewhere. And uh, Wayne, you said something about uh, Adrian Brody's nose. If he ever changes that fucking nose, it just wouldn't be the same. I think I think sometimes like these things that these actors have, if uh, th- that just makes them like I, I never want to see Owen Will- Wilson change his fucking nose ever. It, he just would not <laughs> no. be Owen Wilson. It, you go back to Jennifer Grey from Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Dude, and, that's the same thing I was thinking. And she changes her nose, and I'm telling you, she had a lot more – if she's happier with it, that's great. But I always thought she was a beautiful girl with the, with the, with the, with the little bump, you know, on her nose. I, I thought yeah. it – I thought it – I thought it it made her stand out from everybody else. So I – yeah, I don't – yeah, man. I don't know. I don't get it. Keep the nose, Adrian. Keep the big schnoz. It's beautiful, <laughs> man. It's fucking beautiful. Anyway, let's talk about, yeah, Tupperware the fuck out of uh, Poker Face. And uh, let's go with uh, You People on Netflix. Uh, this one dropped. Uh, it's a movie. Uh, a new couple and their families reckon with modern love and amid culture clashes, societal expectations, and general, general sh- generational differences. Sorry. That's a tough word to fucking say. Instructed by Kenya Barris, it stars uh, and screenplay by Jonah Hill and Kenya Barris, and uh, it has an ensemble cast that includes Jonah Hill, Lauren London, uh, David Duchovny, Nia Long, Julia Louise Dreyfus, and Eddie Murphy. I kept thinking to myself uh, throughout this movie that uh, oh god, who's the guy that played? Um, was it was it his brother in this one? Um. I kept thinking, man, that role would have gone to fucking Charlie Murphy. Oh, yeah, but it, yeah, it was Mike Epps. Mike Epps. Mike Epps. Yeah, I love Mike Epps. But I kept oh, thinking. See, Charlie play that would have been incredible, dude. R.I.P. Charlie Murphy, man. I fucking. I, that guy just fucking. Like, when Eddie wasn't doing anything, Charlie just exploded, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure, dude. Yeah. I still go back and regularly watch those uh, Charlie Murphy E true hollywood stories from the Chappelle show oh yeah it's just so good i liked him on that and i loved him on uh he was like the uh like the landlord uh at a um or at a uh like an apartment complex on the on the uh cartoon network show black jesus which i absolutely loved that fucking show when it was on <laughs> oh dude i never saw that i want to check that out it's so good it's so good i think it ran three seasons um, the last season, you can tell that Charlie was not doing so well, but I'm so glad that it was the last thing I remember seeing him in. So, but, uh, yeah, check out Black Jesus, man. It's all on the Cartoon Network app. Um, but, uh, yeah, Joe, what did you think about you people? Okay. So I remember watching the trailer for this and thinking, okay, this is, it's that time for this movie cliche to come back around. Um, and I remember there was a, an Ashton Kutcher and Bernie Mac movie years ago. Who? There you go. That that is very similar to this plot line. And so well, and that original. that actually came from like you know, guess who's coming to dinner with Sidney Poitier back in the sixties. Yeah, yep. There you go. I was gonna say this is far from an original storyline. This is definitely a cliche in in rom coms, I guess, and it's. It's definitely that that sort of humor that usually doesn't jive with me, that that cringe comedy. It's like if it makes me a certain level of uncomfortable, like I just stop enjoying it. And so I went into this movie just kind of with 
very low expectations on on just how I was going to feel about this movie. And I got to tell you, man, from beginning to end, this this movie really drew me in. And I found myself covering my mouth and doing like the very uncomfortable, oh my God, I can't believe they're saying this type laughing. Just watching these characters just dig themselves into these holes and just be completely oblivious to the stupid wild shit they're saying and then the way that they wrap it all together and give it heart and bring these characters to life and and send them on these different journeys and then the way that these stories always predictably culminate that scene in this movie like absolutely worked for me and it really moved me to tears um i love to see eddie murphy out here doing stuff especially doing stuff that's not intended for children um you know, having having children, like I really appreciate all the funny stuff he does for kids because I've shown my kids a lot of that stuff and it's totally worked on them. But to to see him doing stuff that's more of an adult nature, it, it was a real treat to get to watch him in this. And I enjoyed seeing Nia Long in this as well. We just recently saw her in Missing. And so it was cool to see her in, in something else so soon. And um I absolutely love Jonah Hill in this. He was he was so funny. The the way his level of awkwardness was so great. The exchange where he's trying to talk with his boss, he's just totally screwing it up and coming in coming off so awkward and just making things weird. Uh, was, <laughs> that was, was funny. Oh my yeah. gosh! And in in his parents, like Louis uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus and um, oh X Files dude. David Duchovny were were so funny. Like the the shit that they were saying, especially the that scene that's right near the beginning of the movie when when he goes to the to um was it like a synagogue and it's for Yom Kippur if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. And those conversations that he gets into afterwards, especially like with his optometrist or whoever it was, I was like, Oh my god, this is fucking wild. <laughs> and the this scene movie wasn't a the wasn't scene with to be brave and take some big swings on things. The scene with the Koofy had me fucking dying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Um, so yeah, I I had a really good time, you know, laughing at things that I knew I shouldn't be laughing at, and and just I I loved this movie. It was one of those ones where I went with very low expectations, and it completely blew me away. So for this was this was a Tupperware. Oh, and also the music in this was incredible. I loved the soundtrack. Chances for a sequel. They have kids. Chances for a sequel. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. If this thing performs well, it's 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 an easy sequel to think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think, Wayne? Yeah, I gotta echo some things like like Joe was saying. Like I I I wanna give it a middle of the road taste it though, because I, I did love the comedy that was in it. Like jo- I, Jonah Hill's always like a swing and a miss with me. Um so this one, I, I, you know, swing and a hit. You know, I, I enjoyed his comedy in this. You know, even though he looks like the like Hulk Hogan in this. I thought he looked uh, like Bradley Cooper from A Star right, Is Born. Right, that's what I thought. And then I was, I was like, wait, wasn't he like a stockbroker or something like that in the beginning? I was like, oh, this is like Wolf of Wall Street vibes. Like I was getting, uh, but I yeah, like I was trying to explain this movie to somebody at work today. And they were like, oh, you mean like the movie Guess Who? And I'm like, what? Which I've never seen that movie. But I, I, it's, I think it's one of those like, oh, I read the plot. I was like, I don't need to see this movie ever. And like so when I found out it was kind of like Guess Who, I, I was like, oh, I guess they have been making several movies like this. But like, yeah, 
Joe. I agree. There was a lot of awkward moments that made me feel uncomfortable with the parents. And I, I felt like we kind of got that with um, uh, uh, Meet the Parents kind of awkwardness. Uh, with, oh, yeah. With, yeah, it's with, that same thing. You know, in-laws and stuff. And it's like – to me, it's like some of it was like a little drawn out and it was a little too long. But like there were like a lot of funny interactions when it came to like when he was playing basketball or like when they were talking about cocaine. I was dying when they were doing the cocaine scene uh, at the club. But, uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, like it, it's I kind of saw where this was going. I mean, if, if we're going to base it off of several other movies that have been done. But you know what? If I give it a little road taste because I just felt like it was just a little too drawn out and you know, kind of predictable, but I don't know if there is a second one, I might watch it because <laughs> like I said, the comedy did hit, you know, so it's a Tupperware for me. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's fantastic. It, it's guess who is an Ashton Kutcher movie with Bernie Mac. I love Bernie Mac. I, I you know, I enjoy Ashton Kutcher, but this is just, this is funnier, smarter writing. And I think it really yeah, it, it makes it makes there's uncomfortable scenes, but it's really supposed to make you laugh and think and, and even cry. I, you know, I mean, th- I think I, this is an absolute Tupperware. Like I was dying from the beginning when he's recording his podcast. Him and his friend <laughs> Mo are recording the podcast, and the shit they were saying just had me dying. But there's scenes like the family getting together, the two family, you know, the Jewish family and then the black family getting together at dinner and then comparing slavery and the Holocaust and all this shit. Uh, and you're just like, oh, my God, this shit's fucking crit. Yeah, it's fucking uncomfortable as awkward. shit. But uh, I fucking kind of loved it because I'm the fly on the wall that gets to watch this shit fucking fall apart. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it's like I think it's a fucking important movie for people to watch, especially, you know. If 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 you if you're not familiar with uh, you know different you know uh, you know black culture and you know where you kind of live in a bubble, maybe it'll teach you. Hey, maybe I fucking shouldn't be saying this around you know the black guy at work or you know the black girl that does my you know that uh, paints my nails or some shit or you know watch what you're fucking saying around certain people, you know, because you come off ignorant and. Uh, you know, racist. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> uh, I I thought it was I thought it was really I thought it was very well handled, very funny. Eddie Murphy was just fucking intimidating as shit. Um, and I love, but I, I you know I love the you know at at the end you know a couple characters are, you know they've had enough of what they've heard and they just break it down like. I was just kind of like, oh, my God, shit kind of just hit the fan here. Oh, those scenes were amazing. They were. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for both ends. Yeah. Oh, man, I thought it was – I love this movie. I thought it was funny. I thought it was uh, heartfelt, and uh, the performances were, were wonderful. Um, every time David Duchovny was <laughs> doing something, like playing the piano – I was just like, oh my god! Or he pulled her up to the piano, like in front of it, like. <laughs> <laughs> take so a <laughs> and she was so fucking nice to put up with all this shit from the mom too. I'm just like, oh my yeah. god! Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a great movie. You, <laughs> the dad keeps talking about exhibit, exhibit <laughs> every story. <laughs> yeah, even at the fucking, even at the wedding reception, right? Was it? The, no, it was like the wedding <laughs> dinner, right? 
Yeah, and he's, and he's basically yeah. just reading off exhibits fucking like Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Anyway, that's you people. It's on Netflix. Fantastic fucking movie. Um, let's talk about, uh, shrinking on Apple TV plus. This, uh, stars, uh, Jason Segal. Um, Let's see here. Give me a second here, guys. I'm losing my spot. Yeah, a grieving therapist starts to break the rules by telling his clients exactly what he thinks. Uh, Jimmy has lost his wife and wants to try a new approach to his loss, but it is unclear how this will help others. It's created by Bill Lawrence and Jason Segal and Brett Goldstein. Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso. Yeah, it's right in the vein of this show, too, dude. It makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh... Wayne, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I guess yeah, let's let's jump into this one. Basically, you've got a, a guy who's a... Uh, Harrison Ford's also starring in this one. I think is, this is like maybe second television role. He was doing um, the uh, Paramount uh, Plus uh, Yellowstone spinoff recently. And uh, now he's uh, playing Dr. Paul Rhodes. He's a senior therapist and uh, at the at his job. And uh, so you've got Jason Segal. He plays Jimmy and his wife has recently died. He's got a strained relationship with his daughter. She's going through it, too, but it's a strained relationship with her. And. He just gets to the point where he's at his, he's kind of like at his breaking point. He's, he's listening to people every week with their problems, the same problems. Nobody is getting over their, their issues. They're just coming back into the office and it feels like he's reiterating the same advice every week. And, and he gets to the point with one of his patients where her boyfriend, her, you know, who, who she's living with, it just treats her like garbage. And uh, he's had enough. He's heard enough. And he just gets to his breaking point and just says, he's a piece of shit and you need to move out. Go live with your sister. And there's this, there's this, this like, she's just shocked when he first says it. And then she takes his advice and it works. And so she's happy and he's thinking, like, I should do this with all my patients. But it starts to... You know, it, it's, it's not really what they're supposed to do. It's probably not an ethical way to handle a patient, uh, that, that's coming to you like this. Um, and, you know, he's got his boss, Harrison Ford, kind of coming down on him and, and, uh, he's got his own issues to work out. Uh, but Joe, what did you think about shrinking? Dude, I, I went into this with high expectations. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Jason Segal in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And so to to see him play another character that is that is just going through this grieving process, I already knew that he'd be able to do the role. I was excited watching the trailers for this. Uh, it blew my mind knowing that Harrison Ford was going to be in this in this series. And so I was very curious going into this on how it would be. And from the very first episode, this series drew me in and made me a fan. This is an easy Tupperware for me. Um, uh, this, I mean, I know I said poker face was my favorite thing I watched this week, but this was also kind of my favorite thing I watched this week, but just in a very different way. Uh, this is the sort of show where 
like I said earlier, it's in the same vein as Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is one of these shows where you just see these characters that are it's it's kind of a slice of life show, but it's a slice of life show where you see these characters getting put into a position where they can do the right thing. And when you watch them do it and see them go through these victories, it just the it just makes me so happy that the, the, it usually moves me to tears. And uh, this show dropped the first two episodes. I, I watched both of them back to back. And there was lots of happy tears through both episodes. I loved all the characters that were introduced, the whole scenario that's going on with with the main character. He's grieving the loss of his wife, but he also has a teenage daughter and he's been lost in his grief. <clears throat> and during that that time, he's lost a bit of a connection with his daughter. And so his daughter has now forged a connection with this couple who lives next door who are empty nesters. And this woman has really forged a connection with the daughter because she's not accepting the fact that she's okay with her kids leaving the house. And the the different relationships that he has with the other therapists in his office, especially with Harrison Ford's character, it's almost like they like wrote this and told Harrison Ford, like, we're going to write you a character that just gets to be grumpy and tell people the way it is. And he's like, oh, I'm in. <laughs> you know, it was an easy That's sell so for him. <laughs> and th- this show was the first two episodes so far amazing both of them were tupperwares in my opinion uh I, this is something i'm gonna be today we're here to honor the legacy and now on i'm so sorry i did not mean to click on that <laughs> like, what was that i am so sorry i meant to mute that and i am so sorry <laughs> i was like let's see if this goes somewhere Will it be relevant? <laughs> it will be here in a moment, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, suffice to say, dude, I love this show. I'm going to be eagerly watching it every week. Um, I have high expectations for it. This is absolutely in the vein of Ted Lasso. I feel like if you love watching Ted Lasso because you like the way it makes you feel and you like watching these characters go through you know, story arcs that just elicit those emotions, I think that at least as far as the first two episodes are concerned, this is another show that's right in that same that that same vein. And I I loved it. Easy Tupperware for me. I loved his buddy Brian, who's the lawyer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> playing squash. Uh, pickleball. Pickleball. Yeah. Growing sport. <laughs> yeah. I've never played pickleball. I he- like I've heard people talk about pickleball. I've never played it. No, me neither. There's pickleball leagues. I, I, what was I listening to? Um, the, the, the guys from the workaholics do a podcast and, uh, Kyle from the workaholics was talking about playing pickleball. And so I was, (laughs) so I was like, what the fuck is pickleball? Who is playing pickleball? How do you play pickleball? Anyway, I love this show. It, It looks like ping pong. If you were able to make yourself small enough to stand on the table. Interesting. Okay. Huh. You know, so, it's kind of a smaller paddle, maybe a ball about the size of a racquetball, maybe a little. I mean, the, the rackets definitely look smaller than a racket for, like, squash or racquetball. It did look like a fun game. So it's tennis. It's kind of like tennis, but it was like a smaller <laughs> racket, smaller ball. Okay. Maybe even a smaller court. <laughs> Could you imagine if in Forrest Gump he said ping pong, it was pickleball he was playing? <laughs> One day I just start playing pickleball. <laughs> uh, I love this show, Joe. I'm in a Tupperware as well. I I think Excellent. it's fantastic. I mean, two episodes in, and 
Yeah, I'm hooked. I love it. Um, yeah, it, get, it gets pretty deep, but it's also it's also funny. That's what I love about uh, uh, Ted Lasso, and you know Brett Goldstein's involved, and he's great in Ted Lasso, and he's part of the writing team there, and he's doing it again here, and I love it. And I think Jason Segel is great. Um, yeah, Apple TV Plus is just fucking killing it, man. It's a great fucking show. Wayne, did, Wayne, what did you think about uh, Shrinking? Dude, absolutely Tupperware of this show. I've only seen the first episode, but I like it. I like it a lot. Like, <laughs> it, like I, I love Ted Lasso. So, like, I didn't even watch a trailer for this because somebody told me, do you like Ted Lasso? I'm like, love it. Like, well, you'll like this show as well. So when I saw it on this list, I was so excited. I didn't I didn't watch the trailer. I just went into it blind. And like if you go into it blind, that first like 30 seconds, that first like, you know, like first 10 minutes of it, like you find out that about that he's the therapist and you're like, holy shit. Like just walking in, you know, sitting down and you're like, wait a second. He's the fucking therapist. <laughs> like this guy's got some fucking problems. Like. You know, he does go out of the box, though, like the way he handles situations with with Sean, one of one of his uh, uh, people that he has. I mean, you did mention uh, uh, one of the girls that he was helping. Uh, what was her name? Uh, Grace, I guess, um, with her relationship. But like this guy that comes to him that has anger issues, like the way he goes about handling it uh, is kind of out of the box and like, you know, not the way old man Harrison Ford likes, mm. but it, uh, it seems like it works, it, it, you know, and, and of course, like everything has consequences and, and it all, you know, we see how that, that plays out later, um, with the, with how he goes about helping some of the, his patients, you know, there are consequences and that's why you got to stay within the box. But, um, I, you know, I, I like, even though he's this old man, Harrison Ford, like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, "Oh, I know what what role he's playing. He's just gonna be grumpy." I was, and you know, out loud, I was like, "That's that's our Indiana Jones five, everybody." Like, <laughs> like I was like still trying to bite on that. I was like, "Indiana Jones five still has to come out." And like, as every time I see old man Harrison Ford, like that's that's running through my fucking head, you know. Um, that's basically that, that is him that's so him and then, uh, the other one of his co-workers that's obsessed with how much water you need to put you need to have it on your intake every day maybe think about it like how much water should you be drinking every day maybe you should wake up every morning and drink two 16 ounce bottles of water as soon as you yeah. wake up as soon as you wake uh, up drink two 16 ounce bottles of water it'll get you going I've been drinking 100 ounces. I think I should be drinking more. You just start off your morning with two 16 ounces and then drink it throughout the day. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hydration. It's important, everybody. <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to get old man Harrison Ford's character, Paul, to drink some water. By just, maybe if I just, like, set it on his desk, you know, he'll just naturally start drinking out of it. Well, that but, joke uh, pays off later, too. So Does it? Okay, yeah. okay. But, uh, like, thus far, like, I, I really enjoy it. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to keep watching this. Is this, like, uh, there's, like, nine episodes. Did all nine drop already? No. Apple TV Plus drops them week to week. So okay, they, he, okay. they dropped two, and so every episode co- going forward will be a week to week deal. Right. And, and, it's, and it's, like, interesting to see, like, a therapist 
dealing with their own shit, you know, and having like they're they're people too, and having to bring that to you know try not to bring it to work, but like unfortunately, like you see, like you you bring it to work, you know, for somebody like him, it's just that's yeah, rough, dude. That's that's real rough for like a therapist to be going through that kind of shit and then I, having yeah. to put on a face and like try to have all that intake of all the shit that you're like like giving a verbal bukkake every day of like these are all my problems can you fucking fix them you know like that's got to be a lot on that fucking guy yeah i i love the really i hope he i hope we meet more patients i hope it's like we just haven't seen all of them i hope we get more i i loved uh sean the guy who's got anger management issues who gets Mm -hmm. in these fights and just gets set off and he's like you know let's let's get you involved in an MMA fight, you know, and like, get, let's, let's get some of that anger out and shit. And I thought that that was, he just reminds me of like the, uh, of, uh, patch Adams, but in therapy, just, he kind of goes against, (laughs) he goes against the grain. He does, doesn't do things by the book and other people in like the, you know, uh, therapy community see him kind of like as a therapy, outlaw or something and mm-hmm. so i i want to see how far he's going to take this because i don't feel like harrison ford's character is going to be able to rein him in and it's just gonna he's just going to continue doing like these unorthodox things with the patients which makes the show interesting in the first place so i'm loving it it's a tupperware shrinking on apple tv plus is fantastic so far Anything Brett Goldstein touches right now is great. So, like, you're worried about Ted Lasso ending its, you know, run after three seasons. It's not like these guys aren't going to be making other projects that you can watch. So, I was going to ask you guys, have you ever seen the SNL sketch, uh, sketch where uh, it was host Jason Segal and he, he was Andre the Giant gets an ice cream? No. Was <laughs> he cast as his dick? Hold on. Let me play this. Let me play this. And now, Andre the Giant chooses an ice cream flavor. Uh, uh. Hello, lady. What do I want? Mint chocolate chip? No. It's too minty. Moose tracks. Who names this? I would call it a uh, fudge plus vanilla and with some peanuts in it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll leave that to the professional. <laughs> so many flavors. I wish I could eat all of you. One scoop of vanilla. (laughs) Stupid. Thank you. This has been Andre the Giant chooses an ice cream flavor. That was a really good impersonation. It was really good. That's really good. Yeah, and he's dressed as Andre, and you know that Jason Segal's a tall guy anyway. I can picture him <laughs> with like the one strap going over his shoulder. Uh, <laughs> he's dressed as Andre from the Princess Bride. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He does that Andre voice in in I'm pretty sure it's in the movie I Love You Man. 
He doesn't oh. say, anybody want a peanut? <laughs> <laughs> he does Excellent. a Harrison Ford impersonation in the first episode. <laughs> he did, like, yeah. Oh, my God, I was fucking dying. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Guys, let's, uh, let's uh, take a break, and uh, we'll be back with more Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's Jake Brink. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient. Just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we are back. I just saw in the news that uh, Cindy Williams from uh, Laverne and Shirley has passed away. 75. Oh shit! I'm not familiar with the actor's name. Uh, who did she play in Laverne and Shirley? Uh, she was Shirley. Oh shit! That's one of those shows that I didn't watch much of, but for whatever reason, like randomly, at least once a month, the theme song will just pop in my head. And it'll be there for a week or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Penny Marshall passed away years ago, and now Cindy Williams is gone. Both Laverne and Shirley. R.I.P. Yeah, oh, I used to love uh, Laverne and Shirley growing up. Lenny and Squiggy, and that's uh, uh I'm trying to think. I'm sure it had some spinoff characters. I think maybe Mork from Mork and Mindy showed up in that one. I know Mork showed up in Happy Days. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> TV series did, wait, like connected universe. Did Mork appear on Happy Days? <laughs> he did. He did. Did Mork appear on Laverne and Shirley? I got to find out. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the very first episode of the show, Mork and Mindy did a crossover with Happy Days and another Happy Days spinoff, Laverne and Shirley. Laverne and Shirley was a spinoff of Happy Days. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's wild. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah. That's wild. Learn something new every day, don't you? Yeah. R.I.P. Cindy Williams. That's sad. Uh, anyway, we watched uh, uh, Lockwood and Company on Netflix. In London, the most talented teenage ghost hunters journey nightly into dangerous combat with deadly spirits. Among the many adult staffed corporate agencies, one small startup is alone. Lockwood and Co. 
operated by two teenage boys and a physically gifted girl who are renegade trio, free of financial motives, adult supervision, and destined to unravel a mystery that will change history's course. It's a detective thriller television series developed by Joe Cornish for Netflix based on Jonathan Stroud's book series of the same name. And, um, yeah, I've never read the books. I know they're, they're, they're somewhat popular. And, um, you've got these, uh, you've got this girl who joins up with this one group, uh, the, and she's learning to become a ghost hunter. And in this world, basically ghosts, it's kind of relatively a new thing that ghosts are like out in the world. Um, it's like a phenomena that just happened recently. And now that ghosts are part of like everyday life, they've got these ghost hunters out there that can, that, that are trying to stop these ghosts. And they have different weapons and tools that they'll use to stop them. They have these swords and like these explosions. I think it's like silver based and they use other things in these explosions that they throw at the ghosts. And, um, if the ghost touches you, you die. And there's also this thing called ghost lock, where I guess mm-hmm. if a ghost looks at you for a long amount of time, it can kind of put you into like a, a coma. And um, so you've got a lot of these ghost hunters that are like in uh, like in certain levels of hospitals where they just got like kids lined up, you know, in beds and their eyes are kind of like have like this. That's some freaky shit. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's at first I was just thinking like, this is like a, this is like Hogwarts meets ghost hunting. And uh, then I was like, man, this is a little bit more, it's not adult adult, but I mean, there are, you know, kids, you know, kids can die in this fucking show. And I, yeah, you can say Harry Potter, the, you know, the, the, they're in the tri, what is it? Tri-wizard tournament. You know, you had the characters die and shit like that. And they do that there, but this is dark. It gets pretty dark. And uh, I, after the first episode, I was like, it's okay. And then I got into the second episode and I started getting into like the story and I started getting into, um, you know, uh, Ruby, the young girl that kind of uh, – she she jumps ship from the one ghost hunting group that she was with. She She goes into a house and the guy that is kind of like escorting them, all the ghost hunters there, stays outside while they go into a house and – and all the kids end up either dying, uh, and then Nori, her best friend Nori gets, you know, in this ghost lock state. And during the court proceedings where, you know, they're trying to figure out like what happened in that house, why did these kids die, and why is Nori in ghost lock? The, the guy she was working for just blames her. Like it's 100% her fault when in all actuality, she was the one saying, get them out of there, trying to, there's something wrong. So she gets blamed for all of this. Her mother has her do this just to pay, you know, the bills and things like that and shows her no love and no support. So after the blame of these kids dying and after her best friend goes into ghost lock coma, she's like, I just got to get the fuck out of here. Runs out before she finishes her fourth year in the school and then joins up with Lockwood and co. And, um, I, that's when I really started to enjoy this series quite a bit more. I, I'm at a high taste it. And I think this is one I'm going to, I've, I've seen two episodes now. I've started the third. I think this is one I'm going to stick around for. I, I, I'm hoping to continue to watch this one, but I, I really enjoy Ruby. I, I enjoy the, the two characters that we've met at Lockwood and Co. Um, one is, uh, kind of like, I, I guess like, 
like the researcher. I get, what would you call George? He's yeah. definitely Manager. more like kind of the the bookworm type. He's very yeah. uh, kind of obsessive compulsive. Yeah, in, in the way he does things, not not the most social person, but but definitely has a heart. The more you get into his character, yeah, yeah. So I got into the, his character quite a bit. I thought he was great, and I just I'm I'm liking the show. I I I, I thought that this was going to be. Um, kind of like I'll watch a couple episodes and it won't be my thing and then I'll be done with it. Um, but I really like it. I'm at a high taste it so far and I think it comes down to the, to the characters and, and I think the world building that they've, that they've, there's, there's consequences for this and mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. High taste it for Lockwood and company. Um, Wayne, Lockwood and company. Yeah, uh, I, I got two episodes in. Uh, high, this is a high tasted for me as well. Um, I, I really want to watch. I'm going to continue watching more of this. I've never read the books. I heard there's books to this, and it, from what I'm seeing, like other people discussing, is like this is very accurate to the book. Um, I mean, for me, like right off the bat, I was getting like Ghostbuster vibes. I was like, wait, these guys are hunting ghosts. I'm like, okay, I'm down. I'm down for it. I'm intrigued. Um, but like the, the idea of like the whole world knows about this, the whole world is aware of, of ghost. And like, like you said, the, the consequences of like just being touched by ghosts and like, like you were saying how you go into a room and there's all these people just laying out who've been what pet, pet, I'm not, I don't want to say pet, I'm thinking Harry Potter here. It's called uh, ghost lock. It's like a coma. Ghost lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, uh, just the way they look, and it's like they're still alive, but they're they're ghost locked, and it's like it's fucking freaky, and they keep, they have to keep all these people alive in like a room. Uh, I'm very intrigued by like you know more on on Cameron uh, Chapman's character on Anthony Lockwood, uh, h- h- him and George, uh, how they came to be together, and like he's so young, like. You know, like when she went to apply there, she was expecting, you know, I think we were all expecting somebody much older, you know, uh, but like I'm, I'm, you know, these, these guys, these kids are all around the same age. So they're, they build a pretty solid cast. They work really well together. Um, I, I don't know much more about George's character, but I, I, you know, I think he's pretty funny. Uh, I, I hope he gets more, I don't know. Does he get more hands on or is he always like, I'm going to stay back at, you know, Lockwood. I've right? only seen two episodes, so I've seen yeah, as much okay. as you have. So, so, so we see more of him. Uh, you know, I'm hoping we get more people joining Lockwood's estate here, uh, Lockwood and Company. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoy this. How high tasted for me, Joe Lockwood and Company. Dude, I I am right on the same page as you guys. I've I've seen the first two episodes, and I've had a high tasted as well. I'm very excited to continue this series as well. Um, had had circumstances worked out differently leading up to this, I would be much further along in the the series. Yeah. But I when I watched the trailer for this, I was like, wow. Number one, this has got a really strong YA vibe, and this absolutely looks like something that my kids would be interested in watching. And so I've I've been watching it with my kids, and they watched the first two episodes with me. They're they're into it. They're having a good time. And I'm very excited about the world that they're building in this. It is, it doesn't follow the same history that the the world we live in. 
at, at some point, many years in the past, there was some sort of problem that happened that at one moment there weren't ghosts in the world causing problems. And the next, there's ghosts out there. They're touching people. They're killing them. There's now a curfew at night where people are supposed to stay in their houses because just going out and walking the streets at night, you might have any sort of different type of ghost that that could be stalking you and after you and is going to touch you. And so as the show is going along, these characters are starting to delve into this mystery of why is all this happening in the first place? And yeah, these- and the, and out of nowhere, right as this starts happening, you've got a couple other characters that just show up and happen to be ghost hunters. And so there's these conspiracies of like, did these original ghost hunters were they are they the ones behind all of this? Yeah, exactly. Were, were they the cause because they just happened to show up at the right time and have mm-hmm. all these answers on how to fight these things? And now those people are the 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 namesakes in like the biggest ghost hunter agency in London and you know the the most prestigious agency that these ghost hunters work for whereas Lockwood and Co is is a very small outfit and and as it goes on we're learning more and more about these characters we're learning more about the world that they live in and and to me the most the most intriguing part is we're learning more about this mystery as to what's gone what happened that created this world that they're living in? What was the the incident that, that sparked that? And also this case that they're following that is his sp- um uh spanned the the first two episodes and from the way it's going, it seems like it's gonna keep going. Maybe it'll even be a season long mystery that'll lead into a greater answer. But so far I'm in for all of it. I, I think all the characters are really charming. I like the chemistry between them. Uh this is this is fantastic so yeah high taste it for me and i'm very stoked to finish the rest of this season oh joe the only worry with all of this talk of us enjoying this show and enjoying the world building and characters and stuff is it doesn't matter if people aren't watching it because netflix will cancel it (laughs) that is the thing is that if it doesn't live up to their hype or or their definition of what a successful show is yeah then yeah we're fucked going forward but i mean if that's the case then there's the books that we can fall back on that's true that's true the books are always going to be there but netflix please don't you know that's i mean i loved uh deadly class on sci-fi and you know yeah i can still read the comics but man i really got into that cast you know and 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 for that oh yeah for that to get canceled after the first season, that was a blow. So hopefully uh, Lockwood and Co. can stick around because I'm I'm telling you, yeah, yeah, it looks like it's targeted towards a YA audience. But as far as YA stuff, I would put this in the upper tier of things that I think even adults could enjoy. We'll talk about something else a little bit later that's super YA. Uh, I'll, we might have different thoughts on that one. Um, actually, let's just, you know, I'll jump ahead to that one right now. I'm going to yeah, jump. Yeah, let's do it. Wolfpack on Paramount Plus. It's a supernatural teen drama television series created by Jeff Davis, uh, based on the 2004 book of the same name, written by Canadian author Ido Van Belkum. 
uh, follow a teenage boy and girl whose lives are changed forever when a California wildfire awakens a terrifying supernatural creature and drives it to attack a highway traffic jam between the burning hills. Wounded in the chaos, the boy and girl are inexplicably drawn to each other and the two other teenagers who were adopted 16 years earlier by a park ranger after another mysterious wildfire. As the full moon rises, all four teens come together to unravel uh, the secret that connects them. The bite and the blood of a werewolf. And this fucking sucked donkey dick. (laughs) (laughs) Big fat wolf cock. It sure did. This was fucking garbage. Oh my god. Fuck wolf pack. This show is trash. That's it's a toss it. This show is a toss it. The acting is is horrible. The the story itself is just I don't care. I Joe, I hate this show. I will they dropped one episode and thank God they only dropped one. Uh, even if they dropped two, I I dropped I dropped it after the first episode, Joe. I was done. I I was like I was glad they only dropped one because it gave me time to get to go back and watch more Poker Face. It gave me a chance to go back and watch another episode of Lockwood and Co. Wolfpack. This is absolute garbage. I I don't know who the audience is for this other than teenagers and teenagers. There's better shit out there. This is this is. This is horrid. Uh, I'm going to toss it with Wolfpack. Joe, Wolfpack. Yeah, yeah. It was also a toss it for me. Like I was I was in the low taste it range until I got to the the phone call that Sarah Michelle Geller makes to the one kid at the end of it. And then I was like, wow, this is hot garbage. This is a toss it. I expect better from you, lady. Like what what was that? That was that was so terrible, but it, I mean, it fit right in with everything else in the show. It was, it was not good. And and I had high hopes going into it, dude. I love fucking werewolf shit. Are you kidding me? And, and for them to squander that. And also with, with, with the, the, the level of intensity and gore that they're going to the, that scene where they're outside the bus and the, and the fires <laughs> are yes. all smoky and, and, and people are getting trampled by these, these animals that are not just trampled their faces are getting caved in and you see blood it looked like it looked like a fucking tromaville movie absolutely dude they did not hold back on the gore in that and i was like you know what i watched the mtv scream series and that was also very bloody very gory this is another mtv production and so i was like okay cool they're gonna be going for that and and i knew it was gonna be ya going into it but dude just watching the trailer for this one Going into it, I was like, I don't think this is going to be very good because the trailer for this sucked. And and it, sure enough, it, it sucked. I was also very happy that there was only one episode that I didn't have to watch more um, because I, had they dropped two or three episodes, I would have followed my own little rules and I'd have watched all of them. And it would have – I don't know. There was a part of me for a while that was holding out hope that it's like maybe this is just some first episode shit. Not, not every good show out there – has got a good pilot episode that it's, it's about werewolves. They're not holding back on the gore. This really does have some potential, but I mean, ultimately it felt like a CW like relationship melodrama shit that would just go for like a, a harder rating. It, it, it really wasn't there in, in terms of character development, in terms of story, 
Um, the the performances in it were pretty lackluster. And, and granted, this is all just rating it off just one episode. But man, for that one episode, just absolute hot garbage. It was a toss it for me, too. You know what else I loved about Poker Face, Joe? <laughs> the fact that it was a good coherent show that and i love the the barbecue episode where the, the, the where the the pit master decides to up and like quit being a pit master because he watched uh uh oak jaw oak jaw <laughs> the june bong ho movie you know like oh yes I, I was just like that is fucking brilliant i love the fact that not only ryan johnson like included that in this movie you also have to realize that ryan johnson probably likes that director likes that movie and worked it into his fucking story i just thought it was fucking <laughs> yeah. brilliant i'm gonna shout this out well as soon as i saw her giving a pit master oak jaw i was like Ah, uh, yes. The opening sequence makes sense. <laughs> I knew ex- exactly. I knew exactly what movie he fucking watched and why it changed his mind. He, yes, and yes. what's great about it is like there's a murder in that episode, and he looks at her and he's like, "I'm a murderer." <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what. All that aside, man, that episode made me hungry for some brisket. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, dude, <laughs> that's my go-to when I go to a new barbecue place. It's like I'm going there and I'm trying the brisket. If they have a great brisket. I oh Joe yeah. I, oh that's the benchmark for barbecue yes like, you can't do a brisket right get the fuck out of here with all the rest of it because I have a fucking pellet grill and I can make pulled pork and ribs that's not hard but to make a brisket turn out good you gotta have fucking skill I was so excited Joe I watched like the Travel Channel and they were reviewing restaurants barbecue restaurants and they talked about uh, Salt Lick. I believe it's in Austin, Texas, Salt Lake Barbecue, and it just looked like the best fucking barbecue I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've never been to Austin, never been to Salt Lake, and I was just like, oh my God, I want to go there one day. I still plan to. I'm going to make the pilgrimage to fucking Salt Lake in Austin. <laughs> There's other things oh, yeah. that I want to do in Austin. But I was uh, at the uh, Dallas airport, and they had a Salt Lake Barbecue in there, and I was like, I'm going to eat here. Airport barbecue does not compare. <laughs> I was going to say, do they have a smoker right outside right. the building? Probably it, not. <laughs> it was not. It was not. Joe, I was expecting to get like the Salt Lake barbecue experience. <laughs> you <laughs> You got yesterday's Salt Lake barbecue. It was wrapped up in foil and then like driven to the airport and put in a cooler. <laughs> it was not. It was not the experience I wanted, man. <laughs> So I'm still holding. Probably, you probably had to take out a small loan to fucking pay for it too. Yeah, it was at at the airport. I know you fucking you buy McDonald's at an airport and you fucking you got to take out a fucking small loan. Like you might have saved money actually going and buying a cut of brisket at a meat shop. Yeah. It was – oh, I was so disappointed. But I was like, man, what did you expect? You're not going to get good airport barbecue. No, 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 no. The only way you're going to eat good food in an airport is if you brought it with you. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. What, uh, what, uh, Wayne, so tell me you, you, <laughs> you, you loved – you absolutely loved Wolfpack. I, I had high hopes for this shit. Well, Are you werewolves? serious? Oh, yeah. I love werewolves too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I had high hopes because I'm like, yeah. awesome, werewolves. Like – and then, like you said, like we had gore. We had a little bit of gore there. Like when those people were getting trampled, like I was like, "Oh, oh God!" Oh. 
Like, but like, I was like, okay, this is the gore we're getting with werewolves. I'm so down, and we're getting this. I was getting these Jeepers Creepers vibes with these fucking kids on the bus. And then uh, it really – I had a lot of t- fucking Twilight vibes with this even. Yeah. It's definitely a yeah. show made for like teenagers, I think. Definitely – I don't know if it's because of our age, but like this is not the show for me. <laughs> these are not the were- – these are my, not my werewolves. Guys. Yeah, it's like you've expected Salt Lick barbecue and then you get fucking airport barbecue. <laughs> right? Instant disappointment. Instant disappointment. <laughs> God damn. Joe, okay, that so still burns me up. I, I probably spent 25 bucks on that shit, man. Fuck, I bet you did. And I bet it was a mediocre fucking portion size, too. It was. It was terrible, man. Uh, I was so excited. I, I was I was not even impressed with the potato salad. And they fucked up the how, mac and cheese. How do you fuck up mac and cheese? You, like, there's people all over the fucking... All, oh yeah, all there, over the country around Thanksgiving that are making abominations of mac and cheese. So. Man, yes. you know it's yeah, good. What sad, I love dude. about barbecue is you got—I mean, everything. It's perfect. It's perfect. You get, yeah, you get the the mac and cheese, the real rich and creamy mac and cheese, and then you get the barbecue, and then you get the palate cleanser or the coleslaw. So you eat that in between. That way it cleanses your palate. So the next bat, the next fucking bite of that barbecue, it tastes just as good as the first bite, Joe. Oh yeah. Yeah. None of that. Ex- yeah, none of that. Ex- in it. Yes. It cuts through that grease. Yeah. It's fantastic. None of that experience. None of that experience at the old airport, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I'm going to have to start scouring the ads around me. I need to fucking go buy a cut of brisket now. Yeah. Yeah, man. The but thing is with legit, Salt Lake. They're usually like 70 fucking dollars for a cut of meat though. And then I, it's like I'm, I'm hungry for brisket and then I get there and I look at the price tag on it and I go, maybe you'll just do pulled pork again. Yeah. <laughs> See, Salt Lake, you can go to their website. At least you could back in the day and they would, they would fucking ship it out to you. Like they would do like the dry freeze or whatever the fuck. Yeah, it'd probably still just be a cut above the airport. I know, I know, I know. Jesus Christ. Wolfpack! <clears throat> Not good. So glad we only had one episode drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so glad. <laughs> I was like, that's it, right? I, know. I hope that's it. And I see here that there's three episodes. Dear God, for the people who watched those two other episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys also think that portion at the end of the episode with Sarah Michelle Geller doing that phone call? Did you guys think that was terrible too? Yeah, it was awesome. She did I, that. I was just in, was terrible. I was I was in awe of how bad it was. It was like she almost sounded like she was giving delivering lines in like a like a terrible like detective noir. Like, see, now this is the deal here. We know what's going on. <laughs> Somebody set that fire. See, they were on your bus. Yeah. Yeah, it was really it was bad. Terrible. Ugh, cringeworthy. Yeah. I hated it. Um, Physical 100 on Netflix. Um, this is a uh, reality competition. It's a, like a reality co- uh, competition series. A uh, hundred contestants in top physical shape compete in a series of grueling challenges to claim the honor and cash reward as the last one standing. And so it's uh, it's a Korean show. They have uh, people that are in uh, peak physical shape in all types of uh, uh, fields and sports uh, over in Korea. And 
the prizes, I, I forget how much it was, but I think it converted into American dollars. I looked it up, Joe. It's like $260,000, I yeah. believe. Yeah, I looked it up. It's it's 300 million won, yeah. and, which is a Korean currency. And yeah, when, when I looked it up, the exchange rate put it at like around 243,000 American dollars. Yeah, you've got people that are, you know, uh, Olympic gold medalists. Uh, people that are uh, fitness gurus on YouTube, um, uh, stuntmen, stunt women, uh, bodybuilders, and, and, and like special forces yeah. type type soldiers, and, and like high level like SWAT police instructors and dancers, actors. They had an effort, everything. MMA fighter. Actors. They had an MMA fighter there who had a. M- oh yeah, that dude commanded huge respect. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Yep. He, he had a couple people that they all fucking clapped for. He had great I hair. No to those ones. He had yes, great he hair. Did right. I loved his hair. I was like, oh my god, this guy. This guy's cool as shit. <laughs> it's like he can beat ass and he looks that fucking suave. Like, yeah. Yeah. No wonder this guy makes people like just uh, applaud it when he enters a room no no there's something there's something about him he has like this it quality and as soon as you see him like i'd never seen him before in my life but i was just like there's something really cool about this guy <laughs> like, yeah yeah dude i'm right there with you I, I i had that same feeling when it showed him yeah like he's the kind of guy that you just you like Women want to be with and men want to be friends with, you know? <laughs> like the epitome of like suave big dick energy. Yes, dude. Totally. <laughs> like I want to fucking go on a weekend with this guy to Vegas and see what kind of like shenanigans we could get up to. Like oh, this right. guy's not eating airport barbecue, Joe. Like this guy, <laughs> he fucking, you know, he shows up in an alleyway and, you know, he fucking does the secret knock and they let him into the club. They give him the, 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 the best fucking barbecue he's ever had. And then he's fucking having the best time of his fucking life. Like this guy, he's just, he just like ooze, Ooze is cool. And, um, but yeah, all these different people with these, uh, uh, different body builds, but they're like in really good shape and they're all going to be competing in these different tournaments, uh, throughout this competition series. And, uh, as, as they all walk into the room, um, you know, uh, it's like one person at a time walking in and everybody is introducing themselves and they have these, uh, these busts made of like their bodies, their chest and abdomen and just torso and everything. And, and so you, you stand in front of like your bust and, um, and then they find out what their first, uh, competition is going to be. And it's basically hanging off of this, this metal structure and um, how long the last person hanging from the metal structure over this water pit, uh, the last person hanging gets an advantage going into the next competition. And um, so they divided up the group of a hundred into 50 and 50 and um, had them run this twice in two different groups. And then the next one was, more of a was definitely definitely uh, it was a physical challenge the next one was a physical challenge but it was quite different but i'll, I'll let you guys get into it i i love it i i fucking i i fucking love this show i want to see i want to see a u.s version though now like you know <laughs> I wanna, yeah for sure i want to see a u.s version 
Um, totally. I can I can see why people might be a little off put by the dub when you first watch it. I watched the dub. I don't know if it's available in a sub, but I watched the dub and. But I still, you know, I used to watch fucking Iron Chef with the dub, and so, you know, I'm used to used to that. I I fucking love this fucking show. It. I, I think a new episode dropped today, and I'm I, as soon as we get off this episode, I'm going to be watching the third episode of Physical 100 on Netflix because this is one of those Netflix shows where they drop it week to week, kind of like the Great Bake Off or whatever the fuck people watch on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the British Break Off show. Um, Physical 100 is a Tupperware for me. I fucking love it. I, I love these challenges. I, I'm, I'm starting to love all the different, cause you, you'll look at somebody and you're gonna be like, oh, that person's gonna fail at this. Or you're gonna be like, that person's not gonna do well. And sometimes you're right. And then sometimes it's like that underdog surprises you. Like, holy shit, it wasn't that person that won this event. I can't believe it was just Joe Schmo because not all of them are well-known YouTubers and Olympic gold medalists and sports figures. It's wild to see the common man kind of pulling off some wins here in some of the, and each competition is not going to be suited for you, but it's going to be last man standing or last woman standing because some of these women were really impressing the fuck out of me. In some of these, yeah, I'm I'm in love with Physical 100 on Netflix. I'm at a Tupperware. Joe, what did you think think about uh, Physical 100? Yeah, dude, I I watched the uh, the trailer for this bef- before getting into the show itself, and just based on the trailer, I was like, this show is wild as fuck. I can't believe they're going to be having these people do this, and like specifically more so what goes on in the second episode. With these people like going like hand to hand, almost like no holds barred type shit wrestling on this like capture the flag style game where I was like, man, this is going to get very, very intense. But before you can get there, you got to get through the first about episode and a half where the the first challenge is. And a whole lot of the first episode is meet and greet with all these people coming into this room with all these statues and they meet each other and it's a hundred people. So it takes a while to get everybody in there. And the way they do the first challenge is they got them split into two groups of 50 and they're standing on this like giant numbered grid on the floor. And then this just giant, like, like matching grid type thing. That's like just all these open squares, this metal framework comes down over them and they all have to grab on and then it lifts them up in the air and then the floor opens up and it's just water underneath them and they just got to hang for whoever can last the longest. And with all these different body types, you know, it's, it's all different types. So there's like, you know, like the strongest man in Korea is there like this big, huge beefy dude, like seriously, like made Don Lee from, from the, um, the, what was that excellent detective show we watched? The Roundup. With it, from the Roundup. Like, it made him look small. He was in Eternals, like, if people want to know. Yeah. Yes, Eternals also. Like, Gilgamesh. And, you know, big, huge dude. And, like, like these these guys are making him look small. But as soon as I see what this first fucking challenge is, I'm like, oh, the, the, the smaller you are, the, the greater your strength to mass ratio is, the better you're going to excel in this competition, I was really looking for the females to dominate 
in this one because it's however long you can hang on. And and sure, you might be a big, strong dude that can deadlift a thousand pounds or whatever. But how long can you literally hold all that mass up when it's just your your hands? And also with the techniques that these people are using where they were <clears throat> they were climbing up higher on the bars so that they're hanging by their armpits. Mm-hmm. And like, can you imagine how much that would hurt? Well, they were talking about they were talking about their arms going numb and not being able to feel them anymore because of the circulation and how long they've been <laughs> hanging there. Yes, and like it really comes down to this mental game of how long can I deal with this pain? How long can I stick it out versus these other people? And you know, so in that regard, and that it was watching fifty people hang on for dear life. And then watching another group of 50 people hang on for dear life. I felt like <clears throat> I felt like these opening competitions where they, they're dealing with 100 contestants at this point in the early episodes of the show. I just felt like these went on a little long and like kind of drug on. But I feel like as the show goes on and more and more contestants are eliminated – that minor gripe that I had is going to quickly disappear and it's not going to be as much as a big of a deal as they get rid of more and more people. Um, but man, these first episodes, I, I couldn't believe the the challenges that they had them come up with. Just having people hang is an opening one is really, really wild. And then balancing it to like a physical one-on-one match that is clearly going to suit the, the more stronger brawny individuals, um in 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 that aspect of it like i it was very intriguing show uh i tried it with the dub i made it about halfway through the first episode no not even halfway i made it about 15 minutes into the first episode and i was like i can't do the dub on this it's terrible and so i switched (laughs) it over to the original korean and just read subtitles yeah then at least i could feel the character's actual energy and not just not get a voice actor trying to recreate it because in some of them it was really awkward see that's how i watched iron chef so it wasn't a problem for me yeah and and with iron chef you know i i i it never really bugged me it was all part of the experience but with this one it was a little weird especially with did you notice how much the editing in this they they'll show you the same yeah like crowd reactions like four or five times times in a row yeah and so it was weird hearing the same dubbed shit like delivered the exact same way over and over again. And I, I mean, and even even with the original Korean, that was a little bit weird. Um, I, I really did love this this show. I didn't quite love it as much as you, Brian. I'm at a high taste it on it. OK, but I'm I'm very intrigued with the show. I'm intrigued to see what sort of body type overall is going to end up being the one that wins it. But it's yeah. I think it's also going to be very dependent upon what sort of challenges they give them and in what sort of order, because there are many different types of physicality out there and, and different body types will definitely support different sorts of physical activities. And with this first one being something where you literally got to hang and just support your mass with your own body strength, definitely is going to favor the people that are strong, lightweight. And the, the overall winner of that was no surprise. (laughs) I'm not going to give it away on the episode here, but when you find out what that guy does, it's like, oh, that makes sense. That yeah, you would have won that sort of competition yeah. on on both with both group one and group two. When when you're when you're kind of hearing what these people do and what their background is specifically pertaining to just hanging around like that. But then in the second part of it, man, when they're doing the this, it, it's it's like they got these two different courses they can choose from. One is like 
like a mud pit where it's almost like a really big children's pool full of like muddy water and then just this big sandy area all around it with this big ass medicine ball tossed in the middle and it's we're gonna give you three minutes and when the buzzer rings whoever's holding on to that medicine ball is the winner and if there's no winner determined at the end of three minutes we're going to give you another minute that's sudden death and then the people can choose whether they're going to be in that mud pit arena or another one that's more kind of weird obstacle courses almost looks like something you'd run like dogs through like during a dog show or something like that you know it's got some weird tunnels and yeah they also like that they also filmed the westminster kennel competition (laughs) there so but but it was a very exciting show this was also within the first 10 minutes of it i'm watching it being like god damn i need to work out more all these people are so fucking inspiring like they're just all like (laughs) so fucking ripped with, with with so many different things that they all do and it's a very interesting show very interesting concept i agree with you brian i would love to see them do this in america yeah and and it, it would be fun i think they got a great concept on their hands here yeah i love it i love it wayne physical 100 dude tupperware this thing like <laughs> i've only seen the first episode and it's so cool as like, i ate ice cream while i watched this like, <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah you guys go do your thing you guys work out you know that's awesome but like everybody they bring in it's like they're intimidating but like there's somebody more intimidating than the next guy or woman you know what i mean yeah it's like you think that this guy is like damn this guy's shredded for his size right and you're like damn this guy's a beast and then they bring in somebody else who just it just feels like somebody else just takes it up a notch and I thought it was really cool how they had those busts there and you had to kind of like find your own. Yeah. But a lot of people were like recognizing them like, oh, I recognize whose pecs these are. Like I was like, really? But like I thought that was pretty cool. Like some players could recognize other players just by their body, just by looking at some of those things. Um, but like, he, even like one of the contestants said uh, when they were standing on all the numbers, I thought the same thing. It's like, I feel like I'm in Squid Game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I got that. that I got that vibe right away. And it, it, dude, it's like so crazy how the very first task, the first challenge, seems like such a simple thing, right? Just hang there. Sure. Like just hang, and and it seems so simple. Like I, I like we have a pull up bar in my dining room, and like I'll do pull ups like here and there when I when I go through the the house, but like, and I'm just like, well, I wonder how long I can like hang from this pull up bar, and it's like not long. Like what we talked on like almost twenty plus minutes. Some of these people were holding themselves, and like, there's no way. Like, go next time you get a chance to be able to hold your body up like twenty minutes, fucking try it. Like, it's hard as shit. And like, some of these guys were like just jacked and full, just all muscle. Like the like the world's strongest man. Like, could be like the first guy gone because he's just all mass and he's just like can't hold all that. And, like, it's surprising which one survived that challenge, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it was just blown away. Uh, dude, I, I, I'm so excited to see more of these challenges and to see, like, well, to realize, like, how fucking out of shape I really am, you know? Like, it's like I see these people <laughs> doing all this shit, and I'm like, yeah, there's no fucking way. I'd be, like, complaining about shit already. Like, oh, my, like my, my knee hurts, my back hurts. Oh, God. <laughs> these people are just ripped. And dude, you're so right, Brian. Let's get an American version of this shit. Yeah, like it'd be so cool. Give me all the freaks and geeks that we have in our in our country. I don't care if they're jacked up on roids. Put them on the show. 
We want all the freaks. Yeah, imagine if they had like some, you know, like uh, somebody that was like on American Gladiators, the 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 one that they had like you know a decade ago, and you know some MMA fighters that you know maybe are still in MMA or 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 or, or Or watch up a wrestler even a wrestler, yeah, yeah. some of these professional athletes. Oh, like what about the guy from Athlean X, like? the guy who does like the the fitness videos, like that guy's ripped as shit. Get him on there. <laughs> yeah, fucking get the typo guy. Get get uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> get the insanity guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. The American version would be so cool. American version would be awesome. I, I love I'm, this one, and I'm not even familiar yeah, with any of these people. Some average awesome. Americans in there too, just to <laughs> yeah. See how fast they drop out. Joe, Joe, you're gonna be you're gonna be in the season. <laughs> Be like, well, this bust is uh, he insisted on keeping his T-shirt on. <laughs> I would be I would be knocked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think got one. And it's sure. Joe wearing like a Mandalorian T-shirt. <laughs> Joe puts an actual T-shirt over his bust. <laughs> well, my number one concern is to protect my modesty. <laughs> I would be. I don't have what you would call a beach body. <laughs> I would be knocked out. Sure I would be knocked out in the first round. There, I, I would actually. And if I if I did last, I would have been. I would be like, I, I can't do the second one. <laughs> <laughs> what I did like is um, when the ones that were eliminated from that first round, they stuck around in the pool to kind of like motivate other people. Yeah. So I thought that was cool that they weren't like, all right, get out of the water, like move aside. Like let's focus the camera on all these people who are hanging, but no, they're like they they got to like pan around and show that these other people are cheering on each other. Like it was, it, it's very competitive, but like at the same time, like a lot of people have so much respect for each other. Yeah, for for, for all the hard work they put in with their fucking bodies and stuff. And like like you said, like some of these guys that they would come in, they were just like everybody was. Oh my god, look who it is! Look who it is! Yeah. Like these people are known. Yeah, it's it's a cool it's a cool fucking show. It's a uh... I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm digging Physical 100. I think a new episode dropped today, and so I'm gonna be tomorrow. Tomorrow, fuck! I gotta wait another day. God damn gotta it! Wait another day for episode three. Damn it! I'm ready for it. It's so good. Um, let's talk about uh, Jung E on Netflix. This is a movie that dropped. It's a post-apocalyptic near future. A researcher at an AI lab leads the effort to end a civil war by cloning the brain of a heroic soldier. Her mother, directed by Yan Sang Ho, that is the director of uh, Train to Busan and Soul Station and uh, uh, Peninsula, the uh, Train to Busan sequel. And so I love this director. Uh, it stars uh, Kang Soo Yeon, uh, Kim Hyun Ju, Ryu Kyung Soo, and this is actually the uh, final film appearance of Kang Soo um, Kang Soo Yeon, who died. Ahead of its release, she died at fifty-five, and um, I, uh, I didn't like this movie as much as I wanted to, and I think that the reason I didn't like this movie as much as I wanted to is I think it uh, the the synopsis and everything leading into this movie is very misleading. I was, you read that synopsis. 
In a post-apocalyptic near future, a researcher at an AI lab leads the effort to end a civil war by cloning the brain of a heroic soldier. You think that this movie is going to be about – you've got this heroic soldier who went out there and fought in these wars against AI and these robots and died. And in order to win the battle, they've cloned the brain and they're putting this soldier back out into like these um, uh, virtual um, recreations of of her death to see if she can overcome it and uh, and then go out there and win the actual battle. It's kind of it reminded me of like Terminator meets Captain America meets I don't know. But somewhere along the way, the, the story kind of changes and it turns more into like a, a drama at certain points. And I thought it was a little uh, very, very misleading. But I, I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time with this one because I felt like I, I walked into a different movie somewhere halfway through it. And uh, I think some points with the simulations that they run the character in um, became repetitive and there's a – I don't know. There's just a lot of – at the I just felt like the first two acts, there's a lot of stuff that just keeps happening that I'm just kind of like, all right, can we move this along? Where is this all going? What is this leading to? Mm-hmm. And so I was a little bored with some of it. I get where the director was going, the emotional aspects of it with it's basically this hero- the heroic the hero in this movie that's been cloned. It's her daughter that's working on this simulation to try to put her back out into the battle. I just feel like they pull the they pull the rug out from under you in this one. And the, and that original plot doesn't matter anymore at a certain point. And I, I didn't like the bait and switch. So I'm going to give it a taste it. Um, Joe, what did you think about Zhang Yi? Yeah, I, I watched the trailer for this one and I thought it looked really exciting. And then getting into it, it, it just was not. And for for me, this this was a toss it. It. And but I, I I had like reticence with it where I was like I don't want to toss this movie I I wish I wish it were better but there was just too many things that stuck out to it that like the characters in it were over the top enough to where I almost feel like this plotline would have worked better as an anime than than mm-hmm. as live action. Oh, the other thing I wanted to compare it to was the was Blade Runner with the replicants. Yes, yeah, I had a a, a heavy Blade Runner vibe off this as well, and. Man, it was I, – I feel like all the pieces are there that this could have been really, really good. And ultimately, it just fell short. I, I think they should have leaned into the action a little bit more, the the drama a little bit less. And I, I didn't think any of the performances in it were, were all that inspiring. I didn't think that the CGI in it was that great. It was like borderline kind of like video game quality the way some of it looked. Even when when showing you stuff that was, you know, like these the robots and stuff that she's fighting, they just looked very fake. And uh, yeah, I, I, 
there's just so many ways that this movie could have been better. And so ultimately at the end, but when I finished watching it, I was happy when the credits finally rolled and yeah, it's, it's a toss it for me. I, I don't see really any redeeming value in this. Unfortunately, I respect that rating, Joe. I re- I respect your rating. You just fucking tossing this thing. I, I get it. I get it. I think I, I think I'm being generous, giving it a taste it. <laughs> Yeah, that was my thought too, but you do yeah. you, homie. <laughs> yeah. There was parts that I did that I did like in this movie. It's just overall, I feel like they just It's very misleading. I should almost toss this thing. Um, Wayne, uh yeah, Jung E. Dude, like this is what I watched. I saved this for like the last thing to watch for my list because I had very high expectations for this. I was like, this is gonna look good on my TV. Uh, a future apocalyptic world type thing. Like I'm so down for these kind of things. I was very misled by like the 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 storyline, the premises of what this is supposed to be like. Uh, there was like very shit character build for this and world building. Like where I thought this movie was going was nowhere near that. There was I, I felt like a lot of left turns that went nowhere, a lot of plot holes. Um by like the third act, I was at a point where I was like, you know what? Like if all three of these characters died, I really wouldn't care. Because <laughs> one is it's inevitable and the other two I you know, if they die, they died. There was that just that point. I just really didn't care. Um there was some of like some CGI was okay. I wonder you know? if our listeners are thinking the same thing about us on this pod. <laughs> like, if all three of them die right now, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, rough. <laughs> but yeah, it was an awful fucking movie. Like, I turned down a text from you to go on a Patreon episode for this shit. <laughs> this is what I was watching. Well, you guys are doing that Patreon episode? This is the shit I was watching, and I, I was not having a good time. Instead of Jungy, it should have been called Dungy, because it's a pile of dung. It was awful. Yeah, it was the same girl, um, the actress from uh, uh, Squid Games, correct? I, the the lead character, the uh, the mother. You'd have to look that up. I have no idea. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that's that's who it was. Uh, yeah, she was. She was also in. Uh, she was like one of the last three contestants of Squid Games. I, you'd have to look. I have no idea, dude. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, toss this shit. God awful. Yeah. So that's Jung E. Jung underscore E. If you're looking it up. And so, yeah, it's on Netflix. I had high hopes for it too, Wayne. Huge letdown. Joe, you and I went and saw a movie in the theater that I want to talk about. Um, Wayne, I didn't give this one to you and I apologize. It was a late edition. I just had time in the day to go see this one in the theater and I just threw it out there to Joe. Uh, Infinity Pool dropped in theaters. It's uh, directed, uh, written and directed by uh, Brandon Cronenberg. And um, stars Alexander Skarsgård, Mia Goth. Uh, guided by a seductive and mysterious woman, a couple on vacation venture outside the resort grounds and find themselves in a culture filled with violence, hedonism, and untold horror. A tragic accident soon leaves them facing a zero-tolerance policy for crime. Either you'll be executed or 
if you're rich enough to afford it, you can watch yourself die instead. Joe, I didn't watch a trailer. I had only seen some of the pictures that had come out uh, of this movie uh, on on the old interwebs. And uh, I was like, uh, Alexander Skarsgård, Mia Goth. I love Mia Goth. Doesn't Mia Goth look like somebody that Quentin Tarantino is dying to cast in his next movie? <laughs> yes, without a doubt. I I'm calling it now. Mia Goth will be in the in the final Quentin Tarantino film. She just looks like a Quentin Tarantino choice. Oh yeah. We're going to see her feet. (laughs) 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 But, um, I had to watch this man. I had to fucking watch this. Joe, I couldn't believe that you were going to go see this. Oh dude. As soon as you said, Hey, this isn't on the list. I'm going to go see it. I was like, that movie looks bonkers. I'm fucking in. <laughs> it's horror sci-fi. Alexander Skarsgård, Mia Goth, Cleopatra Coleman. I loved her in The Last Man on Earth. Uh, nice to see her get like a, 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 a role in this movie. Um, but, uh, Joe, I gotta hear your fucking thoughts about this, uh, this, <laughs> this wild ass fucking movie. Okay, this is, yeah, so so you had sent me that message. I was excited to see it. At that point, I had only seen stills and little clips online. And I was like, okay, let's watch a trailer for it. And so watching the full trailer got me even more excited to see it. I'm like, wow, what? I, I think I have a feeling of what this is going to be like, but no clue. And so mostly going into the theater just with, Okay, it's going to be a horror thriller of some sort. I love Alexander Skarsgård, dude. I've been down with this guy since the, I saw him first playing Eric Northman on True Blood. Um, oh, hell big yeah. Big fan of him. Hell and yeah. seen him last year in The Northman. I mean, this dude is is meant to play a, a Viking. You know, he's just this big, imposing dude. Very talented actor. He's got a lot of range. I've seen him in a lot of different roles. And seeing him in this one, man, such a more subdued performance he wasn't this larger than life big strong viking of a dude he he played a much more cerebral character in a way and the the way that we're thrown into this it's this couple that's that's on a vacation in this fictional like european country that i believe it's an island country it's called latoka okay latoka and and they're in this they're in this resort and they're 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 kind of bored while they're there. The husband had previously written a book, and it's now been six years since his first book came out. He's he's trying to get inspiration to get his second one going. And him and his wife are talking about how they're pretty bored at this resort with with everything that's going on there. And then one day's outside, he runs into Mia Goth's character, and she recognizes him and says she's a fan. She loves his book. Very excited to read the next one, and so he's immediately excited that he's he's found his his people. He's you know he's found a fan, and so she invites him to come to this restaurant that's in the resort with with her and her husband. And you know earlier his wife was trying to talk him into going. He's like, no, I don't want to go. But but now that one of his fans wants him to go, he's all about it. And so they go on this double date, and they're talking. They're getting to know this other couple, and then they invite them to go out. And they're like, hey, we we come here every year. We know this place. We're familiar with the countryside. We want you to come out with us and, and have a good time. And this couple had 
had illegally rented a vehicle from from somebody who worked at the resort, and then they leave. And dude, I don't know about you, but when you see them leaving the resort, and it's like they're walking outside of a, a tall ass fence that's got rolls of barbed wire on the yeah. top of it. Like, yeah, like they're. It's like it's like hey, if you leave here. I mean, they, like, this is the sort of fucking fence that you would want in, like, a zombie apocalypse. So it's like, I don't know what sort of countryside you're going out into, but, man, big mistake here. <laughs> and and so they go out, and, man, the cinematography in this movie is beautiful. The countryside that's shown here, they're going on these winding mountain roads. They go to this lake that's, like, uh, kind of in all these mountains, and they're hanging out, having a picnic, getting drunk outside the lake. And... Dude, it escalates from there. Yeah. We talked and, about fluffers earlier. Oh, dude, the way that this escalated, like, like it, you, you see this. <laughs> How far into this do you think I should go, Brian? Should I give away this little bit here? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, they're drinking. You know, you've been drinking for a while. You're filling up your bladder. You got to pee. And so you just get this shot that's like zoomed in on this like gravel. And then you see like a stream hitting it. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, great. Cool. We get to see somebody taking a piss here. This is really fun for me. And then it like zooms up or pans up. Alexander Skarsgård, very drunk, taking a piss. And then Mia Goth's character kind of looms up behind him and kind of holds it for him as he's finishing peeing. And then it turns into a full on hand job. And then it zooms into the rocks again, and you get to see his fucking load drop on the fucking rocks. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? This know. movie's, this movie's, and like out loud when that happened, I went, well, that was gross. <laughs> <laughs> Not expecting to see that shit, right? And then on the drive home, the everyone's drunk. Alexander Skarsgård's character is the the least drunk, and so he gets behind the wheel, and the headlights on this car are malfunctioning. And they pop on just in time to see somebody crossing the road on foot. He hits this pedestrian and kills him. And the cops show up at the resort the next morning. Well, on the way back, he fucking he's like so fucked up about this. He vomits. And I was thinking this is the second time we've seen him spit up. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And and him and his wife are freaking out, too. And they want to call the cops. And Mia Goth and her husband are saying, you know, no, we know this country that's it's very fucked up. You do not want to be involved in their legal system. Let's just fucking leave. And predictably, he gets arrested and him and his wife both get arrested. And the thing that makes this country so wild, and this is where the sci fi in this movie comes in, is that they're dependent on tourism. And so they don't want to be putting tourists to death in their country. And so they say, even though you're going to have to go on trial and you're going to be found guilty and you're going to be executed, pay for it. You can have a double stand in and, you know, stand trial and take the punishment for you. And that's where this movie starts to get really fucking wild on the implication that if you have enough money, you can buy yourself out of any sort of problem in this country. Mm -hmm. And, that's where you start to find out where this movie gets really fucking dark. Yeah. And there's there's more than just Mia Goth and her husband at this resort that understand the rules of this country. And that's what we get to see Alexander Skarsgård character drawn into this group of very dark, evil people that he thinks for a while that perhaps he's part of. But as the horror of this movie unfolds, 
you get to learn as well as him that he's not like them at all. And this movie, when it was all fucking, and also there are fucking scenes in this movie where it was shit that I couldn't believe I was seeing in the, in a cinema. Mm-hmm. But I was like, this is fucking wild. And also this movie, um, if, if you're prone to any sort of epilepsy or anything like that, you might have tendencies for it. This is something you're going to want to stay away from because this movie uses lots of flashes, especially during these scenes here that I'm, that I'm talking about, uh, lots of flashing lights in it, but man, this is a movie to where when it was done and the credits started rolling, I turned to the dude that was a few seats down from me and I'm like, would you mark this down into the, what the fuck did I just watch category? And the guy's like, yeah, this was a weird fucking movie, dude. Um, but I saw this on Saturday and I have not been able to stop thinking about this movie <laughs> since I watched it. And like, it is like this flower in my brain that the first time I noticed it, all the petals were like tightly wound up. Like it was a cold spring morning. And as the day and time has gone on and more and more sun hits this, this flower, it just opens up more and more. And that's the way that this is, this story is like just blossoming in my brain. And every day I think about it a little bit more. Um, when I first walked out of the theater, I didn't know what the fuck to rate this because quite honestly, I was still spinning my tires on what the fuck did I just watch? But the longer I have to think about this, the higher it has gone in rating. It, it, it's currently at a high taste it. And I wouldn't be surprised if on a future viewing of this, if it raises to a Tupperware. But the performances in this were fantastic. The cinematography in it was amazing. That He did, Brandon Cronenberg did things with the camera in this that it was reminiscent of some of the shots in Smile, but it went a little bit further than Smile did in, in that regard. Um, but the performances in this, especially between, I mean, Alexander Skarsgård did a really good job playing this subdued character that gets drawn into this, this quicksand that, that he didn't see coming. Like, he thought he was going to be one sort of person, and he finds out along the way that maybe he's not. But the real performance in this movie is from Mia Goth. This woman can play unhinged like anything, like like nothing I've seen. She is fucking dynamite on the screen in this movie. And she is, as far as actors go, she is fucking fearless. She's not afraid to do wild shit. I mean, just like Alexander Skarsgård's character's name in this is James. And just some of the ways that she yells James in this movie is disturbing. (laughs) Just the way that she can say his name Uh is disturbing. This is, this is one of those movies where I'm fairly sure that the more time goes on and with a repeat viewing or two under my belt, I could see it growing in its rating. But for right now it's, it's easily a high taste. It may be going to be better. I'm at a Tupperware. I fucking, I've never, (laughs) this is just, I don't blame you for it, man. Bat shit, fucking crazy movie. And I fucking loved it. I loved every, like, it, yeah, it's disturbing, but I fucking loved it. It's very, it made me think, and it, it just took me places where I didn't think it was gonna go. Mia Goth's performance, like when she's yelling at a certain point, like towards the end of the movie, I'm just like, oh my god, she is a fucking star. She is incredible. And uh, just the horror aspect in this is top-notch. The science fiction aspect in this is just enough. Uh, Body horror. uh, The hedonism is just insane. 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 
Brandon Cronenberg uh, didn't pull any punches in this fucking movie, and I respect him as a director for for that. And uh, he got some great performances out of his actors here. This is an absolute Tupperware. I, uh, this is one that uh, I will have no shame in owning, uh, and I will I will. I'm, I'm just, do not let your children find a copy of this anywhere. No, 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 no. This, no. I remember, I remember. They're going to need therapy if they watched it. Joe, I was, <laughs> well, I was 12 years old the first time I watched A Clockwork Orange, and I was just no. like, yeah. No, <laughs> Yeah. Dude, that's way too, I mean, because this is on par. It I, is. I've seen this draw comparisons to Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Specific scenes and stuff. Did you know also when this did the festival circuit, it was firmly in nc-17 and, wow. and they had to edit it down to get the r rating yeah wow i can't i want to see the i now i gotta same. see the director's cut same i, I want to see what was original in this because when i was watching in the theater my the whole time watching it going i can't believe this isn't an nc-17 yeah they, they are doing crazy shit in this movie well just when you see a fucking cum load hit the rocks I was like, well, that's not something you generally see in in an R-rated movie. No, 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 no. nothing. They haven't shown you anything of what they're willing to do in this movie yet. I mean, I remember back in the 90s, that movie Crash came out, and there's two Crash movies. I'm talking about the NC-17 Crash, and, like, there's a cum shot in that fucking movie. And that was NC-17, so I can't believe they were able to get away with this with an R rating. And the NC-17 version's just got to be fucking batshit bonkers. Um, it, it, you do find out what the infinity pool is, so don't worry about that. I'm not going to get into it, but you find out what it is. Um, I'm at a Tupperware. I can't, like Joe said, you can't stop thinking about this, this movie once you've seen it. Cause there's really nothing like it. Um, yeah. And dude, I'm right at that border too, where I'm like, even while I was talking about it, I'm like, do you just change what you have in your notes and just call it a Tupperware? Because you just... You don't think about movies like this for the past few days like you have this one. So this is probably way closer to a Tupperware in my mind than I taste it. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely want to see it again. And it's a movie that – I can't remember the last movie that made me think this much about it after I watched it. The, the, also, the, the social commentary aspect in it that is so subtle. And, man, this is, this is a, a, a really smartly written movie. And, and it's wild to take a movie that that it, you just have to see this movie to, to to I guess get in my shoes and, and say yeah this is a really really smart movie, right? <laughs> the spectacle of it is so fucking insane. Yeah, but but it is. There's no other way to describe it. It is a smartly written movie, brilliantly performed, beautifully shot. This yeah fuck it. This is a Tupperware. Yes. <laughs> There you like go. Absolute fucking Tupperware, dude. It's and a fucking Tupperware. I'm going to be buying it when it comes out to I, watch it again. I'm buying it, and, and, I'm, and if, if it's not the director's cut, I'm waiting to get the director's cut. So. Oh, oh, absolutely. If there's a director's cut available, that's what I want to see. That's what I, I want. See, I want to see Brandon Cronenberg's original vision for this. Dude, I got mad respect for this guy now. I, I need to go back and see. I, he's done uh, Antiviral back in 2012, Possessor in 2020. I got to go back and watch his previous work. Oh, same. I was going through his filmography and I was like, fuck, I, this is the first one of his movies I've seen. I, I'm familiar with his dad's work. I've seen a lot of his dad's movies, but yeah, man, this is th- this this movie really i mean the next day i i went for i did i went on a road trip with my dad the following day and i talked his ear off for probably about an hour 
about this movie. <laughs> He's not a spoiler pussy at all, so I got into the whole thing with him, did a full spoiler review. <laughs> this movie's wild, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Infinity Pool, it's out now in theaters. I'm telling you, it's not for the faint of heart. And uh, yeah, watch it, though. If, if you're into this kind of, if you're into fucking body horror, science fiction horror, um, and if you don't have a weak stomach, watch this one. I highly recommend it. It, it really gets morality you. Morality horror. Morality horror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it remind me never to take a vacation. Uh, it made me not want to leave the United States, Joe. Oh, no shit. I mean, this is, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's not like hostel at all, but in a way it's kind of like hostel. Yeah. Right? I've never, like, I, I wouldn't stray off the fucking beaten path, man. Yeah. Bad things might happen. Never watched hostel, but I, I know we got, <laughs> I know we got problems here in America. Don't get me wrong, but watch this fucking movie. And you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. And also it takes place in a fictional country. It's yeah. Just, yeah. It's, it's not real. Yeah. Anyway, Ooh. let's uh, – Joe, Infinity Pool. Jesus Christ. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We got more Good Pop, Bad Pop. We'll be right back. We've all heard of the Dollar Shave Club, and I'm excited to tell you that I just joined the club. I met an old man downtown who I believe was a consultant for Dollar Shave Club. For just one dollar, he led me up to the corner of Benton and Riverside and asked around for Rusty Razor Rick. And once he crept out from behind his office dumpster, I just handed Mr. Razor one dollar and let me tell you, this guy shaved everything. I am a hairless goddess. So anyways, I guess that's how you join the Dollar Shave Club. I asked him about a monthly subscription, but he assured me that there's really no need. You can just go up to his office. You just have to open and slam the dumpster lid, and that's going to wake up the raccoons that he uses as blankets. And then he's ready to roll. You just have to be alone. That is very important. Welcome to the club. All right, hey, we are back. Got two more things to cover here in Good Pop, Bad Pop. Uh, documentary, The Pez Outlaw on Netflix, uh, the story of Steve Glue, a Midwestern machinist who smuggles rare Pez dispensers from Europe and sells them for thousands, drawing the ire of both U.S. Pre- uh, Pez president, they call him the president, and, uh, <laughs> yes. and rival, <laughs> rival collectors. Um, so. Yeah, you've basically got a documentary here about a guy who's working at a factory. And then, uh, how did it get started? Like, he, uh, how did he get, Joe, I'm going to have you explain this one because I can't remember how he got into Pez. So he's always kind of had this kind of offbeat personality. He's, he's not the best at getting along with people. He gets obsessive about things. He starts collecting. And the way I understand it, if I remember correctly, is he starts collecting Pez and then he, he starts finding out that, Pez, I believe, is made. Its mother corporation is in Denmark. Well, he right? goes. He goes to a, a toy show at first, right? And he's mm-hmm. listen, is that it? Where he just yeah. sees like he a, was, a, a Pez dispenser that's really expensive. Yeah, he was really into um, at first selling. Like he had his market, he would sell. Uh, uh, he would send in those box tops for. Yes, cereal, there you go. He, then he would sell those toys at. at you know, flea markets and whatnot. 
But uh, it's when that market died, he was looking for something else, and that's when you know Pez came into his life. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> okay, so yeah, there you go. <laughs> the, he would uh, cereals used to offer you know prizes uh, that you could send away for just by you know sending in like the UPCs and whatever, and there was no limit on how many prizes you could receive back then. And they basically, he basically said that like that changed after Steve glue. And so he was getting all these prizes sent to him and then he would set up a table at like these, the, at these like, um, like a, like a toy convention or something like that where people were selling uh, goods and products and things like that. And yeah, he was making a killing, um, for, for basically what he had to spend on the cereal he was selling these and making money hand over fist. Meets a woman there who was selling these European Pez dispensers and they sold out like hotcakes and finds out from her that she got them over in Europe, over in Hungary. And so he plans on uh, traveling over to Europe and uh, bringing some back, bringing back some of these uh, Pez dispensers that they don't sell in the United States. The, the, the guy who's in charge of Pez at the time was 100% in control over the Pez dispensers that were released in the United States, and he'd reject a lot of the European ones. So for Pez collectors at the time, these were really hot collector's items because you just couldn't get them here. And you, yeah, supply and demand. And you weren't supposed to bring them over here. But the thing is that I guess like the 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 Pez company never – turned in any of that paperwork to where like it's something that you can't bring into the company if i'm if i'm if i'm yeah. remembering yeah correctly. they didn't they didn't complete it so that customs wouldn't stop that stuff from coming in yeah yeah and so it's basically they call him the pez outlaw and uh um he would go over there and bring back duffel bags of these pez dispensers and sell them and um yeah, Wayne. What did you think about the old Pez Outlaw documentary? Dude, it was so cool. Like, who knew that there's like, I, I, I definitely give us a Tupperware. Who knew that Pez had so much money in the market? Like, I immediately ran upstairs and was like, I think I have Pez just like laying around in my display case. <laughs> like, who knows? I'm sitting on money, probably. You know, probably not. But like, like this guy found his thing and you know his thing was pez who would have fucking thought like when he when they like he played himself which i thought was kind of funny when they showed him like emptying bags after bags after bags of pez and finding out that like that little r isn't on the bottom of these things and it's like you know that's their dumb fault like you could bring all these into the country and you know the rest is history like that's crazy it makes you wonder what other things you could be possibly selling that are that have that kind of value such silly things we look over like like we i I would never have thought in a million years pez dispensers were worth that much money (laughs) a lot of the toys that i got when i was a kid if i would have just like restrained myself from opening the boxes They'd be worth thousands now, like, you know, my Optimus yeah. Prime and my Megatron from 1984. Like, if I would have just kept those mint in the box, put them away. But, of course, I was a kid. I wanted to open them and, yeah, and yeah. play with them. You know, I had the Aerial Bots. I had Trypticon. I had Scorpionock, Blur, Hot Rod. I still have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. They're just out of the box, and they've got a lot of wear and tear on them because I played the 
played the shit out of my old Transformers. But even like the the, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers toys when they first came out, I mean, they were hard to find. But now if you sell them, I mean, they go for a mint. Uh, Yeah, yeah, dude. I I had like all the original Ninja Turtle toys. I had all the Ninja Turtle toys as well. Like that whole Mm -hmm. first line. I had all the figures. I had all the fucking vehicles. The blimp, everything. And that stuff goes for a mint now, man. Now, let me ask you guys something. So, something collectibles like this is do you, are you the type of guys who keep it in its case, or do you like, let's take it out of it, let's display it as it should be? Or are you the type who, like, let's always keep this wrapped? It must never see oxygen. You know, like, <laughs> like how do you guys feel? Uh, I, it's, it collect, all collectors are different. I keep things in the package. I don't like loose figures, for, okay. Joe. Just because of it, my space, it, it all depends on what the packaging looks like. Mm-hmm. If it's a really cool packaging and you can clearly see the 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 collectible inside it, then yeah, that's fine to leave it in the packaging. But if if it's packaging that kind of hides the figure, or whatever behind it, then then I say take it out. But right, to each their own. Joe, right. I'm gonna it's like Joe. I'm, I'm looking at figures on my dresser right now, like Invincible. It, Bloody Invincible is still in the packaging. But, like, my Demon Slayer figures are, are standing proud by themselves. Joe, I'm going to have you bounce out of the call real quick. You're starting to go in and out, so. Oh, okay, gotcha. All right, took a quick pause for the cause there. Joe's back. Hopefully internet is coming in a little bit clearer. But, uh, yeah, we were talking about the Pez Outlaw. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with this one. It was, it was a quirky documentary. It's got some, some interesting characters in it. I mean, I, I think that automatically, once you get into these people who are hardcore collectors, you're going to start getting into some interesting personalities. And this dude who styles himself <clears throat> as the Pez Outlaw is, is one of the most interesting personalities in this film or this documentary. He, uh, <clears throat> I mean, he's, he's, he's telling the story as he remembers it. And then they, they have enough of the, these other, people that were part of it chiming in at the same time to to show that he he does embellish a bit in his mind and and turn it into a bigger thing than it actually was when when he's talking about how he was trying to act all crazy and disheveled to to go through customs easier and then there's customs officials being like no that will actually get you flagged way faster um those little (laughs) inconsistencies like yeah those little inconsistencies like that cracked me up but I mean, just the fact that I mean, this dude is I mean, he's a total hippie looking guy. Uh, he's got this big, giant ZZ top beard, skinny dude kind of dresses like a, you know, dresses like a bum. And and he gets this idea that he's going to travel to Europe, even though he's never been. He's he's not much of a an outgoing person that likes to leave the house. He's much more of a homebody. But but he's willing to jump on a transatlantic flight and, and go over to Europe and get these Pez dispensers. And he goes over with his son and they kind of have some adventures along the way. They almost cross a border into a country that's in a full-blown war. And th- that scene was pretty tense. And they eventually find this factory where these Pez dispensers are made and, and he's able to get an in. And he meets some people that work in the factory. He brings them. And well, doesn't he meet somebody who had like designed this rare character? It's I think it's like Bubble Boy. Bubble Boy, yeah, it was Bubble Boy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the thing hadn't really gone into production yet, and so this guy just gives him a sample of it as a gift, 
And then this next convention he's at, he finds out that Bubble Boy is worth lots and lots of money. It's actually his son's. And his son's like, hey, I have college tuition I got to pay for. I'm selling this thing. And so that's when this guy really gets the idea that he can start going to Europe and filling duffel bags. And he is literally filling duffel bags full of like just hundreds of Pez dispensers and bringing them back over. And then the 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 ensuing power struggle between this guy and the the president, the guy who's in charge of uh, Pez America, that seems to have this like iron hold on which dispensers are going to be in this country. And he, the way they describe it, it's almost like he's in this like competition and struggle with collectors that are trying to get the most rare Pez dispensers. And if, you know, Hey, if the president's not letting these dispensers into America, then of course the most rare ones are going to be the ones that are only on the European market. So for me, it was, it was almost kind of laughable that this guy is like lamenting this situation that he has created and, but just overall, this was a very interesting documentary. I thought it had a pretty satisfying ending the way it went. I, uh, I, I, I don't want to say how I felt for the Pez Outlaw character himself. I don't really want to give anything away. I think that this documentary is worth watching. And um, yeah, the fact that it's on Netflix, it's, it's very available, easy to watch, a fun thing to throw on the background, even if like you're just folding laundry or something like that. It's an entertaining story. And I don't remember the nationality, but the other collector guy that was far more weird than the Pez Outlaw, that they they give you just enough of this character to be interesting. I mean, this guy was so out there. He's like, no, I'm not even going to let you see what's in my collection. I'm going to I'm going to set up this ladder and climb into the loft above my barn and not let you in. (laughs) That guy was way the fuck out there. Probably man. nothing in there, man. We don't believe you. I, who the fuck knows what's up in there? But I mean, these are definitely some some interesting, quirky, colorful. I I I, I hate to call them characters because they're real people. But in the context of this documentary, these characters of this documentary, they're it, it's an interesting community, and this is an interesting story in the way that it's told. And I mean, the Pez outlaw himself, his family, his super soft-spoken wife that right in the beginning of the documentary is basically like, this was a relationship born of lust. We have awesome sex. And it's like, wow. I know. Thank you for putting for this fucking (laughs) visual in my head. (laughs) She's like, let me suck on your Pez dispenser. No, uh, uh, what yeah, did you high taste it for me? It was an enjoyable watch. Yeah, I'm at a high taste it as well. I loved it. I thought it was fun. Um, I like the fact that it's kind of like watching the movie Blow with Johnny Depp, but it's fucking Pez. You know, yes, that he, that, he, had that vibe. Yeah. And th- like there's even parts in it where they're doing like scene reenactments like it's Unsolved Mysteries and shit. And uh, he's always got this feeling like there's like this Pez spy following him everywhere he's going. And it's it's fun <laughs> to hear his story and then for them to talk to like the the one guy that was uh, high up over at Pez at the time talking about like, oh, yeah, that was true. Or like, no, he's way off. That That never happened, you know. So I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm also at a high taste that um, definitely some characters. And I don't know where that guy was from either. He's like German or Austrian. I can't remember, Joe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, I think so. Like, no, no, I cannot let you in to, to see my collection. Yeah. <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> 
And then at the end of the documentary, he's like, I think he did the the documentary about the wrong guy. Thinking, yes. thinking he oh, would have. little stinger at the end was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. The Pez Outlaw. It's, I think it's super fun watch. It's a, it's easily watchable and it, it, I find it entertaining. And I never knew that there was this whole like, uh, secret underground, uh, world of pez that was happening in the in the early 90s it's wild to think about it man so give us more of these kind of documentaries i i'm sure there's documentaries about beanie babies and that whole thing too and uh this one was with was wild with with the pez uh let's yeah, it's nice to get just a fun light-hearted documentary once in a while that it doesn't have super big stakes it doesn't leave you feeling bummed out at the end yeah you just kind of it's 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 very like a popcorn documentary yeah kind of like when we watch the uh pepsi where's my jet you know oh yeah yeah same vein yeah, absolutely yeah. Wayne, you had something you wanted to talk We got one more thing to talk about, but you had something you wanted to talk about for Good Pop, Bad Pop. Right, I did it. I, for the first time, I decided to go back and watch Transformers, the G1 series. Okay. And and I've never done it. Like, I, I'm excited for I See, I, like, I grew up in the 90s watching Beast Wars, right? Yeah. And with this new Transformers coming, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I got time. Like, why don't I... S- watched the g1 like i've never watched the original transformers so i've I've been doing that like just killing time like just having it on in the background and not realizing like i'm only like halfway through season two but like there's so many fucking episodes like there's like 40 episodes or some shit for like season two and i was like holy shit but like it's a slow burn because i'm experiencing for the first time and i don't want to like burn through it quickly uh, you know, I'm like so late on it, but like I'm I'm enjoying it, and I don't know if it's gonna make me like the Michael Bay movies anymore. You know, <laughs> I don't know if it's gonna help. No, it's not. What, what kind of question is that? <laughs> but like, I, I figured out of all the Transformer fans I know, I, I like knew that you would appreciate that because like this is. My first time, man. I think I, like how I, fucking evil Megatron really is. I well, I come on. I, I think it's great that you're watching it, but I think there was a time to watch it, and it, it it's when you're six, seven, and eight years old. You know, I mean, that's it's that's I'm playing what, video games. I got it on in the background, you know, just passing. The yeah, game. yeah. No, I, I I've gone back and watched it over the years, and 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 it. The only way it really holds up for me is the nostalgia. Um, there's some episodes that, I mean, there's some episodes that are just terrible. There's some, there's some, uh, God, yeah. Yeah. Artwork, (laughs) artwork that's really bad. There's some episodes that are just terrible, but it all leads up to Transformers, the animated movie from 1986, which is, in my opinion, the, my favorite animated movie of all time. It is, it is a fucking masterpiece. I don't care what anybody says. You can have your Pixar. I don't give a fuck. I love Transformers, the animated movie. Um, it is, it is still just, just a masterpiece. So, you know, it's hard to watch those old episodes. I think the only way they stand up, they hold up for me is just the nostalgia factor of remembering watching them as a kid. You know, uh, that's how I became friends with Leftover Jay when we first started the podcast, you know, when he was on, like I met him when I was seven years old and he was a fan of Transformers. We talked about it on the playground and that's where that friendship came from. So I owe a lot to Transformers. Um, 
But uh, no, it's great that you're watching it, man. But uh, don't give it any more credit than it deserves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but no, that's great. Let's talk about American Murderer. Uh, American Murderer uh, stars Emmy nominee Tom Pelfrey, Ryan Felipe, Edina Menzel, Oscar nominee Jackie Weaver, Paul Schneider, Chantel Van Satin, Moises Arias, and Kevin Corrigan. It is a true crime thriller about Jason Derrick Brown, a charismatic con man who became the FBI's most unlikely and elusive top ten fug- fugitive. Uh, shot in Salt Lake City during the height of the pandemic in 22 days, this indie has been picked up for distribution by Lionsgate Saban. And uh, Universal internationally and uh, won the Artistic Director Award at San Diego Film Festival. Uh, it's directed by Matthew Gentile. And uh, we actually had uh, uh, the director reach out to me uh, because he wanted to get a hold of Josh Davis, who writes uh, reviews for us for the website. And uh, I want to thank Josh Davis for some just doing fantastic work with his reviews. And I also want to thank uh, Brooke Doherty for her fantastic reviews and uh, Quentin Roberts for his fantastic reviews. Like they, they, Those are the three main contributors that I have for reviews for movies on the website, and I really appreciate all the hard work that you guys put in. And uh, we wouldn't have been able to watch this movie had it not been for uh, Matthew wanting to reach out to Josh and uh, so we're going to review it here on the show. And I, I love Tom Pelfrey. This stars uh, Tom Pelfrey. He, you know, we know him from Iron Fist and he was also in Ozark. And I think he's a great fucking actor. And um, I I didn't know what to expect in this one. I, I didn't know that it was a, a true crime thriller. Like this guy, I, I had to do some research about this guy after after the movie. And this was like a true fucking story. And... um Joe, what did you think about American Murderer? Yeah, I thought the performances in this were really, really good. Uh, this is somewhere I, I didn't watch a trailer or anything going into it. I, I had no idea what we're getting into beyond that synopsis that you read. Um, I knew it was going to be a con man story. and But, dude, the, the performance in this were fantastic. From the very beginning, Tom Pelfrey is, is very magnetic in this. And... And he's just playing this character that you want to believe. And then the way um, he looked, he looked like uh, Tom, uh, not Tom Cruise, uh, Brad Pitt in Burn After Reading. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just the way that like he's almost got like this like surfer dude kind of skater guy. Bro kind of mentality going on that is it's pretty disarming. But then also he. When he's able to like kind of sell that, oh, this is my business that I do. I do this importing, exporting with my brother of golf accessories and yada yada, and just the the confidence that he's able to talk with people and and the way that he manipulates people also. Like this guy can just turn on tears at the drop of a hat and tell a sob story to just try and sway somebody and and disarm them a little bit to you know kind of skate away or or get away with whatever sort of con he's pulling for that short term there. But, but man, the, the character I felt the, the most empathy for was Adina uh, Menzel's character uh, playing this, this realtor that she's the one who, who leases him his house and she lives across the street. And and from the very first, he's laying it on thick with her and he's able to begin this relationship with her and he's, almost being like a father figure of sorts to to her son. And just throughout the course of this, just 
seeing the performance that she put in, how she's slowly coming to the realization that maybe I can't trust this guy. Um, and, you know, I had seen that Ryan Felipe was in the cast and I totally didn't even recognize him as the FBI agent in this. It wasn't until I went back to IMDb where I was like, holy shit, that was him. Uh, but I thought that that the performance he put in as the FBI agent that was doggedly pursuing him was very good as well. Um, and just just seeing the way that this character spins out from you, you get to see glimpses of his childhood and the relationship that he had with his father. That's kind of suggesting that this is the why he goes down the path that he ends up going down, even though his siblings tend to it seems like they had more or less normal adult lives. But for whatever reason, he he grew up to be a con man, just seemingly like his dad. And you get to see this character get deeper and deeper in and find himself in way over his head, owing the wrong people money. And then he's hatches this plan to where he's going to murder a, a guard for an armored truck because he thinks he's there's going to be this big payday as a result. And just seeing the journey that a character can go down to get to that level of I mean, just being an, I mean, number one, you're an absolute piece of shit if you're a con man, but to go from a con man to just a cold blooded murderer, the way that it lays out this story is, is very riveting. Um, uh, for, for me, this movie was a high tasted. I thought it was really, really enjoyable. Um, I, I, I haven't found myself like really like, like the way that Infinity Pool hooked into my mind and made it so that I couldn't stop thinking about it. This movie wasn't quite on the same level. Um, I, I did think it was a very enjoyable watch, especially with the solid performances. But there were just times where I was watching it where it was it was kind of reminiscent of like a, a, a Lifetime movie. Where it's, you know, like it's it's this guy that's lying to this woman and, and yada yada. Even though she's not the main character of it, like it would be if it were like a Lifetime movie. But there was just parts of it to me where I was like, this is a very solid movie, but but it, it didn't absolutely blow me away, even though the performances in it really did. Yeah, the, I think the performances are really good in this. I, I just feel like uh, I was I was thinking going into this with like Ryan Felipe playing like the FBI agent that it would feel more like of like and, and I, I I don't know why, but I was thinking it was going to be more like a Tom Hanks Tom Hanks, Leonardo DiCaprio, Spielberg, catch me if you can type of feel with it. Um, but it really doesn't have too much of that going on in it. He is constantly looking for the guy, but it's, it's, it's a lot of him just questioning other people that are involved in, in his life and, and trying to track him down. Um, I felt like the relationship with his, Family and his sister maybe could have been fleshed out a little bit better to where we kind of understand like why he is the way he is. I guess I didn't, I thought the performances were great, but I just, I, at the end of the movie, I just didn't feel like I kind of understood like how this guy got himself into all these different messes and why he was the way he was a hundred percent. Um, but I do. I, but I think like on the flip side, it's like you can only put on screen what you know about the guy right. so, because it is based on a true story. Um, and I don't think that they tried to embellish too much in this. I think they tried to, to be true to, you know, the events and things that happened and, and, uh, from what we know about this guy. 
it's a taste it for me. Uh, Tom Pelfrey continues to shine, though. The guy's fucking great. Um, it was nice seeing the actor. What's her name from uh, fucking uh, For All Mankind in this one? I can't. I don't know. Amelia. Yeah, she's great. Um, oh, that's where I recognized her from. I kept wad- like looking at her, going, "Where do I know her from?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm at a tasted on this one. I'm at a tasted on this one. Um, Wayne, what'd you think? I'm at a high tasted. Uh, I I really enjoyed this. I I I enjoyed the acting. Uh, from from Tom, uh, Pelfrey. I, I he when I started, I I've never seen him in anything else. But when I first start, saw him, I was like, guy looks like Jonathan Taylor Thomas all grown up. <laughs> like, so kind of I kind of got vibes from. Um, but uh, dude, he there was a couple times, um, where you forget that he's a con artist because he's very convincing, you know, uh, with, with like. You know, ducking people who he owes money all the time. Um, and, and I kind of, like you, I wanted to see more of, like, how the fuck did he get in such deep shit to begin with? Like, he, he owed so much money. Like, a lot of money. And um, and everybody he goes to to ask for help, I mean, he owes them money as well. So it's not just, like this one group of of gang uh of people that he owes money to it's like a lot of people a lot of family members um you know the relationship with between him and his mom got really rocky oh jackie you know? weaver was great in this movie yeah and i was trying to think like to myself like when i saw her i was like where the hell have i seen her recently and it's yellowstone um I was like, I was trying to put my finger on it and it was Yellowstone is where I've seen her recently. But, um, yeah, like the relationship with, with he's trying to con his mom and some more money. And like, you know, I I've seen that happen with like, you know, family members and, and it, it sucks. It was like, it was like rough to watch. I was like, dude, no way. I'm like, come on, man. You're not going to really con your mom for like thousands and thousands of dollars. But like, there's real people out there who do that. Like I know people like that who are willing to con like their own fucking mother, and and like you know she she put him in his place real quick. But like, um, I, I like my girlfriend walked in like towards the end of this, like the last like twenty thirty minutes, and she, you know when you see the ending of, of how everything goes down and how he's on the run and stuff. And I didn't know that this was a true story. This is he's still to this day like. Well, don't spoil the end. Okay, okay. Come on. Um, but you know, it, it, yeah, you get all shaken up when I say shit like that. I love it every time. Yeah, every time I tell I, you not to like, spoil something, you're like, yeah. eh, what do I say now? Good. Yeah, yeah. What do I? Say? What you do just I say? wrap it up real quick. You're like, oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> I taste it. But no, I I, I want to know more. Brian, I, I want to know why this guy's in such deep shit. Where is he at now? And like, why? What's what's coming to this fucking guy? Who else has he conned since then? Well, they don't like, know. That's why he's still. That you've already spoiled it, but that's why he's still on the run. They don't know. There's no. There's no leads, Wayne. <laughs> God damn it! I want answers. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad the director reached out to us to review the movie, and we've spoiled it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. Let, let's all laugh uncomfortably. Yeah, that's what, Matthew. That's what you. That's what you get when I get a Wayne on on the episode. You get your movie spoiled. 
So. It was so hard. <laughs> I waited until the very end, and I spoiled the very last thing we reviewed. Yeah, yeah. So he's almost did it. Almost. Watch the movie. You'll find out he's still on the run. All right. <laughs> well, is it really a spo- like? Is it a spoiler? Spoiler? When it's based it is. On- if you don't know about the guy at all, Joe. I'm trying to give him a little bit of rope here. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. It's a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Hang myself. With there's rope. there's no scene. This there's, there's no scene of this guy getting justice at the end of this movie. It's so there you go. Have fu- <laughs> we just sold some fucking tickets to this one, didn't we, Wayne? Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just you just want to bend the director over? Is that what you want to do? Uh, well, no. Jesus, <laughs> it's the last time I'm going to get an email from Matthew. Uh, I saw missing. Do you want me to spoil that too? No, Jesus Christ! <laughs> You're going to be missing from future episodes of PCL. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> How many fucking times do I have to tell you not to spoil shit? I know. What the fuck? I'm sorry. <laughs> fucking Mr. Short-Term Memory over there. <laughs> God. So the further the episode goes in, the more I drink. Yes. <laughs> <be> semi-dry goldfish. <laughs> semi-dry spoilers. <laughs> God damn. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> Now I'm going to hear about how I – Brian's so mean. He's so, No, I'm trying to protect the ending of the goddamn movie. I'm trying to protect future episodes of this podcast so Wayne doesn't fucking spoil shit. You're like, you're like the fuck – you're like – you're the guy as soon as everybody got out of the theater in 1999 after watching M. Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense. You're the guy walking out and saying, oh my god, he was dead the whole time. I can't believe Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. <laughs> oh shit <laughs> you're not wrong god damn sorry I know <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that you spoiled it Wayne <laughs> so. so I keep fucking up at work but you keep letting me come back oh boy Jesus <laughs> and I, I'm the bad guy Joe <laughs> I'm the bad guy. He's the villain of this story. <laughs> you, guys are... <laughs> you guys are ready to jump into the pot. Oh, my God. And I, I, I tell him not to spoil shit, and he still goes into more. He still elaborates a little bit more after that, Joe. Do you know what I mean? I noticed that. <laughs> Like, hey, don't spoil it. Oh, I won't. I won't. And then he continues to elaborate on the previous spoiler that I told him not to go into. Don't spoil it. Oh, I won't. But I just really want to know what he's up to these days. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I won't spoil it, but I was just so heartbroken. I know. Han died in the end. Where can I reach out? No, he's trying. What he was trying to do there was patch it up and fix it with a little bit of fucking uh, Wayne duct tape. And he and the whole time he's still just spoiling the shit out of the movie. (laughs) The whole ending is blown. (laughs) The whole ending is blown. Director reaches out to us. Watch my movie. Praying that we're not going to spoil it. It's not a good movie. 
Oh, God. <laughs> hey, it's better than werewolves. I mean, come on. You didn't spoil that fucking show, though. <laughs> it's not like you skipped to the end and spoil. You hated that and you didn't spoil it. I would not have been upset had you ups- had you spoiled Wolfpack. You, if you got on here and you told us, you could have detailed the final episode in the season for Wolfpack, and I would not have been upset with you. It's the one fucking movie where the director himself sends a personalized email to Josh Davis asking us nicely, hey, would you review my movie? I'm very proud of it. I'm very well. And Wayne's also like, touching wet paint at work all the time. Wayne's like, let's jump to the end. Yeah, they never found the guy. He's still out there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Joe, what are we going to do with this guy? (laughs) Well, at least he said it in his voice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Hey, 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 he gets away. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I you know what? In that moment, you were the real Jason Derrick Brown and you just shot Matthew Gentile, the director, like he shot that fucking guard. <laughs> Dude, spoilers. <laughs> this wasn't plan B. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh man. You fucked him like he fucked the realtor in her shower in that scene. God, I hope Matthew. I hope Matthew does not listen to this. Hmm. Jesus Christ, Wayne. Watch his movie, please. It's it, it please. is very it's very good. It's an interesting story, and he's still at large, isn't he, Wayne? Mm. So they say. <laughs> <laughs> You guys want to listen to that Andre the Giant clip again? (laughs) 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 Well, let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. Wayne, stop spoiling shit. Make me a promise right now. I know. I feel like, I feel like the wife in a marriage and she's on her last leg here with her husband. I'm going to tell you the same thing I told my high school. There's been infidelity. Try my best. There's been infidelity. There's been drug use around the children. You haven't been showing up to the therapist. Stop showing up to the relationship counselor. I'm out. I'm almost out the door. Can you make me a promise? This is it. This is it. Can you make me a promise that you're not going to do this again? I'm trying to raise a PCL family here. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is not a vacation to Lakota with the hedonism. All right. It's I'm not, not the. I'm not going to be back for episode 500, am I? <laughs> what can you spoil on episode 500? <laughs> We're not reviewing anything. 
probably why I'll be only allowed on that one. You'll probably be on five hundred and just be like, "Yeah, I finished this," and just spoil. Now, I don't. Can you? Can can you? I can you can you promise me? Honestly, no. Actually, the promise I want you to make is everything that you watch in the in the future. I want you to turn it off fifteen minutes before it ends. <laughs> that way you can't spoil it because you don't know how it ends. Oh God! I think it's the only way, Joe. It's the only way to protect the world. I think this might be a Tupperware. I don't know. I'm gonna have to watch the rest of it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Brian won't let me finish content. <laughs> and for good reason. <laughs> Pop Culture Leftovers news. Uh, Paramount Plus and Showtime set to merge. Uh, Paramount has made it official. They're integrating Showtime into Paramount Plus across both linear and streaming platforms. They're combining this. I think it makes sense. I think it makes perfect sense. You had – I remember the Halo series was originally going to hit Showtime and then they're like, no, we're going to put it on Paramount+. Plus. I mean you got the same company here. Merge these. Hopefully, hopefully uh, I'll be able to save some money. I, I have both Paramount+, Plus and Showtime that I'm subscribing separately for. Hopefully they'll be able to combine these even if they just raise it a buck or two. I'll be able to save a little bit of money here and you know what I mean? So – I'm excited for the move. I don't know what they're going to be calling the new service, if it's going to be Showtime Plus or or, or or I don't know, or if they're just going to do away with Showtime. But I think this is the right move to combine these two and bring the libraries together. So um, I'm Dude, ex- I, I absolutely agree. I mean, we have reached the point in the streaming war, like we, we've reached the Megazord point where, where <laughs> all these different services are starting to combine together. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and I mean it it just seemed inevitable from the start that because I'm one of the I'm one of the thousands of people around the country that cut the cord. I haven't had a cable bill or a satellite bill in years now. But I don't know if I'm really saving that much money because I subscribe to so many different streaming services on its own and and now with so many of them that are starting to offer you know, reduced costs, ad platform ones. I've, I've switched that over to almost everything. I have ads in Hulu. I have ads at HBO Max. Did you do the Netflix ad supported? Uh, no, and that's only because we uh, we have T-Mobile for our cell phones. And part of that is you get free Netflix with it. I just – I that's a great deal. I personally – can't do ad supported Netflix. I've just been so spoiled on Netflix. I can handle it on Hulu. I can handle it on, uh, you know, Peacock. You know, I can handle it, but Netflix, I don't think I can do ad supported. It, it all depends on, on, on how heavy handed they are with it. For, for instance, I was really reticent to switch the, the ad supported platform for HBO Max, but it is not very intrusive at all. Um, for instance, I watched the the new episode of The Last of Us uh, before we recorded tonight, and I didn't have a single ad break in any of it. So it, it all depends on the show, really. Yeah. And like when I was watching um, uh, Smiling Friends, it was like there'd be maybe like a 15-second ad break in it. But then I've watched other streaming platforms where you have the ad one, and it's brutal, where you'll just get all these fucking ad breaks. You might get the three one minute ad three times in a row on one break. And it's, it's just, 
it's terrible. It's heavy handed in its approach. It's there's no thought given into the the ads that they're showing you. And so, man, it, it runs the gamut. It all depends on how the streamer itself is going to handle it. But I've seen instances where it can be done well, and it's not that intrusive. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be Paramount Plus stuff. It's going to be Showtime stuff. So you're going to have uh, all the Taylor Sheridan uh, shows like uh, Yellowstone. Uh, and then you're going to have Star Trek and uh, The Good Fight, Evil. And then you're also going to have the Showtime stuff. You're going to have Yellow Jackets, Billions, Dexter, The the Shy, all the all the Showtime stuff. It's all going to be on one service. I, I, I think this is fucking fantastic i'm looking forward to this merge um i'm just interested in the pricing so that's what we're going to be waiting on um do you subscribe to either one of these wayne i have paramount it, it it's one of those rolls with like i think like my comcast deal or something so i don't actually know what what paramount's even going for right now but um like joe said like all these smaller ones are going to start getting they're going to start merging with these bigger ones and then we're just going to at the end of the day in like a couple years we're just going to have these like four or five like titans of streaming networks and it just seems like it's it might be just cheaper to go back on the uh you know the cable again because at the end of the day i mean you got to be picky and choosy you can't have them all it's just too damn expensive yeah but the thing is you can't get Disney Plus on, on on cable. You can't get Netflix exactly. on cable. You can't get. It's like your arms being twisted because you also can't. I can't go out and buy Wandavision anywhere. I I can't. I can't just go buy that stuff for myself and, and like not have to get Disney Plus. I'm like forced. I can't go out and buy The Mandalorian and put it on my shelf. Like uh, it, it sucks. It really really sucks. But everybody's going to be going up and, and everybody like Netflix is now having ads and stuff. Everybody's going to have ads, but you know what? We also came from uh, a time period where we had commercials all the fucking time. Like, so to me, ads never bothered me. I, I, I when I can see how much ad time I have, I use that advantage to run to the bathroom, run to go get something to eat or drink. You know what I mean? Like, I don't bitch about ads as as much as as most people do. I just I use that time. Um, yeah. So yeah. If, if that's what it's going to take, though, to drive these prices down because they're combining more of these together, then you know, so be it. But Paramount and what is it, Showtime? Yeah. I, I don't. I don't have Showtime. How much is Showtime normally? You know, that's Ooh, less than Paramount, I right? F- I forget what I'm paying for my Showtime monthly. I feel like I'm paying eleven ninety nine. Oh wow! Yeah, so Ooh. whatever you know, Paramount is charging right now. That's got to be a deal having those two together. Yeah, how much is Showtime? Let me. How much is Showtime? Ten ninety nine a month. Yeah, I yeah. mean that that's not bad. I mean, if you're merging those two, for it's not great price. either. I mean, no. there's a. I mean, I like it for the fact that if there's a movie that I want to watch and they happen to have it on there, like it's like, oh my god, I want to watch this movie. Oh, it's only on Showtime. Okay, cool, I got it. I can watch Monster Squad right now or whatever the movie may be. But you know, and and of course, I loved Yellow Jackets. If you didn't watch Yellow Jackets. 
please get on it. Like, Joe, I'm telling you. Oh, dude, it's on my list. I, I've heard nothing but good things about it. I got to watch it. It's fantastic. I think you'd love it. I mean, did you finish From? Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. I fucking love From. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the I, I'm discovering that the benefit of sleeping on it for so long is now I don't have to wait near as long for the second season, which yeah. I'm pretty sure is coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I do. I I loved the show Lost so much. It was like the original show that that really blew up my brain and made me obsess over television and and want to know everything that was going on with it. And the the From has got such deep Lost vibes that it, it's basically just Lost in a horror setting. So it's it's so fucking good. I'm I'm absolutely in for all the mysteries that that show is laying out. Yeah, mysteries, Wayne, mysteries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't tell you what happened at the points. end of From. <laughs> yeah, it's like, did you hear how Joe handled that there, Wayne? <laughs> Very professional. <laughs> I see I, why he's the co-host, and I'll never be a co-host. Oh my god, a hundred percent, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. Wayne, I love having you on. I'm just fucking with you as a fun. Fun little moment in PCL history there where I berated you for spoiling shit. Not, and it's not the first time. So if this is a listener, if this is a brand new listener and you're like, it's not like we get new listeners, but if you are a brand new listener, this is not the first time he's done it. This is, he is a repeated offender. Jurassic World, uh, Dominion, <laughs> uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Uh, the list goes on. The list goes on and on with this guy. And finally, I had had my fill, Joe. I had had my fill, and I did this for the listeners to protect them. To protect their virgin American murderer ears. He fuck you fucking, the American murderer is you, you murdered Matthew Gentile's movie right here on the podcast. That's the true fucking crime. We found him. He's living in Philly. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I wonder what he's doing. He's on a fucking podcast. Oh, God. (laughs) Ruining fucking movies. That's what he's doing. I'm like a supervillain. You are a supervillain. The spoiler. I'm just going to run into theaters and spoil (laughs) shit and run out real quick. His origin story is on PCL number three, whatever. I don't know. (laughs) (sighs) oh man anyway i I wonder if there's listeners that just skip the wayne episodes they're like nah fool me fool me once (laughs) shame on you (laughs) i see people like paul hart doing that ah fuck it's wayne it's wayne yeah i'll watch this in six months after i've watched everything on the list for this one (laughs) (laughs) Jump into the Marvel news. Marvel news. Marvel news. Uh, News from Dark Horizons. Joe Cornish talks original scrapped Ant-Man. We talked about Joe Cornish earlier. 
He's behind the Lockwood and Co. series, and uh, he was, uh, you know, doing some interviews. He was recently appearing on the Playlist podcast. He spoke about Edgar Wright's experience with Marvel Studios. Uh, the pair, Joe Cornish and Edgar Wright, became attached to Ant-Man way back in the mid-2000s, uh, before the MCU was a thing. Then both exited due to creative differences in 2014. Uh, a lot had happened there, you know, with that. It was, I think they wanted to get that movie off the ground a lot earlier. The next thing you know, Marvel had already put out quite a few movies. I don't know if by the time they got to, you know, uh, you know, in, into phase one, if their plans for the movie actually had to be changed now. Because of like the events that were actually happening in the MCU, but um, this is what he said. Um, when Edgar and I first met Marvel, they were in offices above a BMW showroom in Beverly Hills. It was around the time of Ang Lee's Hulk, and John Favreau hadn't even started work on the first Iron Man. Superhero movies were not a thing; they were not perceived as a cool thing to do. They were kind of a cruddy genre. I guess because VFX hadn't evolved to the point where they could put what was on page on the screen. So they always felt like they were reaching for something they couldn't achieve. We worked on Ant-Man for something like eight years on and off. And in that time, the landscape changed completely. The technology changed completely. Audiences fell in love with superhero movies. All the stuff that people had loved in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s in comic books were suddenly translated on screen in a really direct way that had never happened before. Uh, as people fell, in, this is not him. This is back to the article. As people fell in love with the genre again, and Marvel, uh, Marvel expanded, Wright's creative vision began to clash with Marvel Studios' groundwork for laying of the MCU, and they were exited over creative differences. Cornish adds, "There are no hard feelings from Marvel regarding their exit. That kind of overtook us in the sense that Marvel didn't necessarily want the authored movie that Edgar and I wanted to make because at that point." They had this behemoth on their hands. They had this universe where the movies had to integrate. Edgar is an auteur. Edgar Wright makes Edgar Wright movies. In the end, that's why it didn't happen, I guess. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like the movie that they had made was kind of like a standalone Ant-Man thing. And the MCU was already, you know, a few movies deep into what they were doing. And I'm guessing that they had wrote a movie where... You know, maybe Hank Pym was the main character and maybe they were leading into him creating Ultron. I don't know. And that's not what happened. You know, we know that Tony created Ultron. I don't really know what happened here. It just sounds like their movie wouldn't have been easily integrated into the MCU. Like that was like the downfall of the Ant-Man movie. They'd been working on it so long. And by the time that they had a chance to get started on this, like it didn't align with the vision of the MCU that had already been successful. It sucks because man, Edgar Wright is such a visionary and I love his style. I don't know. It oh, just, without a doubt. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen his version of Ant-Man, but I didn't know that they'd been working on it for eight years. Oh yeah. This so was, this was, for, they were talking about this for a long time and it was supposed to come out way earlier. Yeah. I mean, that really makes sense then, because how do you, I mean, how do you make a movie that's going to fit into the MCU when you're working on it at a time where the MCU is not a fucking thing? Mm -hmm. And and then all of a sudden, you've been working on this thing for years, 
And now this company wants all these movies to be integrated. And it's this really big thing where everything has to follow this 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 wider story that's taking place between all these integrated movies. And these guys are like, no, that's not what we're doing at all. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't even considered the part with Hank Pym because that is the logical main character to write it as. I understand why the MCU did what they did with Scott Lang. But, dude... I, I I think that's really really applicable in in this in this case, and man, I just think of movies. The, just the the unique way that he shoots things and he's able to stylize stuff. It'd be really awesome to see him do like a legit. I mean, I I I know that um, the of course now I'm blanking on the name. The 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 one he did a while back that was he did Baby Driver. Are you talking about? Uh, no, it wasn't. I'm talking further back. The the comic book one he did. Oh, a Scott Pilgrim. Yes. God, how am I blanking on Scott Pilgrim? The Scott Pilgrim movie was so great. And I know you can say that that's a comic book movie, but I'd love to see him. His take on like a Marvel superhero movie would have been fantastic to see. But now I feel like I have a greater understanding of why it happened. And now knowing that, it just seemed like inevitable. The, the, those were never going to go together. It's going to be ink and water. Maybe it would have been Scott Maybe it would have been Scott Lang. I, I can see Edgar Wright doing like a heist movie with Ant Man. You know, it, it really lends itself to the character, as yeah. has been shown with all the other Ant Man movies. Yeah, I don't know, man. It just didn't fit into the overall MCU. Did you follow any of this when it was happening, Wayne? The whole Edgar Wright Ant Man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's kind of really suck. Like eight years of working on something, and then. You know, a, a massive thing like the MCU comes out and, you know, like where do you fit in in, in such a big world like that? Um, but I would love to just be like a fly on the wall to know what that kind of script was all about, you know? Oh, uh, I mean, this was uh, – th- I mean, this thing was supposed to happen. They, they the, Edgar yeah. Wright and Joe Cornish both showed up to San Diego Comic-Con and were talking to – the the media they were talking mm-hmm. to doing Q and A's they actually showed up at one time with a VFX reel showing the the shrinking and the enlarging this was moving forward so at one time so close then holy shit yeah like they were doing pre production stuff so yeah it, it it was definitely something that was in the works they were getting ready to do this when you've got the guy showing up to S- the San Diego Comic Con and showing off like rough footage of what the effects would look like before mm-hmm. the press and before audiences like this was this was ready to go so like this this just kind of this this just kind of like fizzled out so yeah it's sad I, me, me and Jake were really excited for the Edgar Wright Ant-Man movie and it it really bummed us out when he when he exited, but uh, we do understand. Um, mm-hmm. Got a bunch of Marvel rumors this week <laughs> um, uh, from a lot of the different leakers. I'm going to start off with some of the uh, rumors here from Can We Get Some Toast? This is my favorite post that Can We Get Some Toast put out this week. Somebody tweeted at Can We Get Some Toast, post some real leaks or we'll unfollow. And Can We Get Some Toast tweeted back, unfollow me, bitch. And I love it. <laughs> I respect that so much. I love it. I love it. Here, come on here and make demands of me. Get the fuck out of here. You didn't even bring me toast. 
<laughs> you show up with no toast in hand. Fuck you. I <laughs> make demands of me and you're not even bringing me toast. <laughs> uh, first rumor from Can We Get Some Toast is uh, the Thunderbolts villain created by Valentina Allegra de Fontaine is going to be Sentry. We've heard this. It's going to be Sentry. A bit of clarification on the Thunderbolts. Yes, Sentry is the physical antagonist for the team, but the mastermind behind it all is Val. So Val creates Sentry. Yeah, that makes sense, especially seeing what we saw of her character in Wakanda forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next thing is going to be, uh, sorry, Kit Harrington fans, Black Knight will not show up in Blade unless it's for a small cameo. Oh, I'm so sad. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, now how long do we get until we see him in Eternals 2? Joe is being 100% sarcastic and does not give a <laughs> flying fuck. I loved him as Jon Snow, but I was like, okay, he's going to be in the Blade movie. Great. Like, let's... Mm-hmm. Please just this Blade movie's got a lot. To, it's got big shoes to fill, so please just do it right. And and I understand it's a connected universe, and you're gonna throw other characters in. But Dane Whitman, oh. so yeah, I'm 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 not sad to hear this news. I love your reaction, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got some rumors here from Great Phase on Twitter. Uh, actually, Great Phase retweeted this one, so if Great Phase was retweeting it, there's got to be a lot of uh, truth behind it. And the tweet came from Alex from CC, uh, and it goes, directly touching upon the subject of the multiverse. So basically, movies, upcoming movies in the MCU slate that touch on the multiverse, of course, some of these are going to be obvious, but goes on to say, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania makes sense. Uh this one is interesting. The Marvels. So that's going to be touching upon the multiverse in some fashion. Could it be within the actual movie itself or could it be maybe a post credit scene? That'll be interesting. It has to do with, with the, the tech that, that Kamala's bracelets are made of. Because it was like a purple magic, right? Yeah, and that purple magic was the same stuff that we were seeing Doctor Strange using in No Way Home. Yeah, it, yeah, that's yeah, that makes sense. But also Agatha's does. Am I correct? There? Oh, that's a really good point. She did have purple magic. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. There's a lot of symbol symbolization with colors in Marvel. Like just look at the just look at the Infinity Stones as a as a reference. Um, I don't know, Joe. I mean, I was, I was thinking with the Marvels, it was going to be a battle over, you know, Kamala's other band being maybe like the beacon that's out there in the universe that they've got to, you know, track down. Maybe it was a, a neg, maybe these are the nega bands. Maybe it's associated with the, the character of Quasar or I don't know, maybe the original Marvel. Um, and I think it's you know Cree and and uh, maybe scrolls are also uh, going to be getting involved and try to track this thing down. I just didn't know where this fit in with the multiverse. 
I don't know if it's part of like the main plot of the film or if the multiverse shows up maybe in a post credit scene or something like that. So I found the Marvels to be an interesting one touching on the subject of the multiverse. Uh, of course, Loki season two. And they're also saying the multiverse is going to play a part in what if season two, the animated show on Disney plus. I hope it's for valid reasons that are beyond, yeah. you know, this is the multiverse arc. Listen to this. This is, they, they, they address that. They say, um, Oh, are you talking about what if season two? Yeah. Okay. And, and Marvel's <laughs> they say and all of it. it. It's multiverse is great, mm -hmm. but have a good story to do with the multiverse. That was what made no way home. So fantastic. Yeah. Was it had a really great story that was tied to the multiverse. It wasn't just existing in the multiverse for the sake of it. They say, but make no mistake. All of the projects will feature elements that will become important to the larger multiversal story during its final arc later on. So it's like in order to, I would say that's going to be true of the two main feature movies. Um, it'll be interesting to see how important Loki season two and what if season two are. I think Loki season two, I think Loki and Loki season two are must watches. If you're watching this, this, if you're watching these phases and, and mm -hmm. I, I think it's necessary. Yeah. With, I, I totally agree, especially Loki season one, because that was, this is the first time you see a variant of Kang. Yeah. It's very important. All the stuff that, that that character says in that season finale is really, really important. And the good news is it's a very good ride to get to that point. It is it is one of the, the gems of Disney Plus Phase 4. Yeah. Yeah, we might get more TVA, too. Uh, we heard we might get that in Deadpool, even. Oh, that's I mean, no, so that's 100%. Yeah. confirmed yeah, that's so, you know with these people show up you, you don't want to be that guy like who the hell are those people it's like no you need to know this uh let's see here uh rumors from my time to shine hello uh a twitter account at reads council tweeted my time to shine hello during uh my time to shine hello at uh, basically had an ask me anything the other day and was asked fantastic four movie main villain and this has also been reported by another scooper, Tom Smith, on Twitter. But my time to shine, so hello, said uh, uh, basically the main villain of uh, the Fantastic Four movie is going to be Galactus. Boom. Boy. Oh, boy. Dude, uh, that's super exciting to me. Yeah. Um, because I, they, they can do it now and make it look good. The last mm -hmm. time the Galactus name was dropped in a Fantastic Four property, it was a fucking abomination. It was a, a weird cloud that had a bunch of tubes coming out of it. Like, get the fuck out of here. That's not Galactus. That it, was trash. It, it was trash. It was hot garbage. Give me the big fucking tall guy in the wild ass fucking Jack Kirby purple armor. Thank yes. you. Yep. Do it. Do it right. Well, they and, and I think they will. Tom Smith on Twitter is is claiming that the Galactus actor has been cast. They don't know who's playing him though, mm. but they're saying the actor has been cast. <laughs> oh, that's fucking wild, dude! Who would you cast, Joe? Oh, the, I was just going through that in my head. Like it's it's you got to get somebody with that right jawline, like. I'm saying oh, for me, yeah. for me, I'm yeah, going. No idea. I'm going with Michael Dorn, Worf from 
Star Trek The Next Generation. Just That's really good. That's really good. He's got a good jawline for it. Jawline and voice. Yes. Oh, I hadn't even gotten as far as to consider the voice yet. Oh, that's true. You need somebody with a good voice who's going to be wearing a mask like that, you know, a helmet like that. Yeah, because that's what has to really project that that character's personality and everything. Mm-hmm. And and for Galactus, I mean, this is a guy that fucking eats planets. Mm-hmm. So like the when he talks, man, he's <clears throat> he's very, very, very assured of himself and got a voice of command. Like, dude, I I like that. I'm sure I'm sure there's some other great suggestions out there, but that was the first one that came to mind for me was Michael Dorn. So, uh, rumors from 4chan. Got a bunch of different rumors here from 4chan. Don't know how reliable these are, but I thought they were interesting. Uh, John Krasinski is not going to be playing Reed Richards. Um, listen to this one. This has been making the rounds on Twitter as well, that Ryan Gosling was brought in to Marvel and ha- they have a role for him that they, that Marvel's been in talks with Ryan Gosling and, and this was, uh, they actually talked about this in the 4chan report. Ryan Gosling is in talks to play Silver Surfer, but not for this movie. Silver Surfer was part of an earlier Fantastic Four draft, but he's since been cut. And Gosling, if he signs, will debut on a special presentation. So we heard about the Marvel special, special, special presentation that would drop on Disney Plus. Uh, that's going to be a Silver Surfer based uh, special presentation and they're saying Ryan Gosling is in talks to play the Silver Surfer. Dude, I I love it. I would take that casting and I'm very excited to hear that he's going to be introduced as part of a special, special presentation as well because depending on the storyline, I could see something where oh, but no, he's not going to be in the Fantastic Four movie. I was thinking something like if he, if they first meet him as a Herald of Galactus and they're able to beat Galactus, if not entirely, then I mean, I'd hopefully not entirely, but uh, just enough to where then is the special presentation. You see Silver Surfer out on his own, mm-hmm. starting to explore the galaxy where he's got all this power. He doesn't have a home world that he can go back to. And he's just searching and he's no longer under Galactus's thumb. But maybe that sets itself up more for a series than a 45-minute special presentation. Yeah. I could see a series. That'd be pretty cool. Oh, uh, Silver Surfer. More Fantastic Four rumors. Um, Galactus – this uh, this one is weird. Galactus is the main villain of the movie and will be played by either Dennis Quaid or Keanu Reeves. No and no. Like, yeah, like I, I love them both as actors, but not in that role. Yeah. Especially not Keanu Reeves. Yeah, Keanu Reeves is a terrible choice. I, I love the <laughs> well, actor. I love the guy. But my the, <laughs> Keanu Reeves is fucking Galactus. Is, that just – that's cringe. Y- yes. Yeah, that, that would be – I would love to see Keanu get into the MCU, but not as Galactus, please. Adam Driver is not running for Reed Richards, but actually Doom. That I could see. Huh, I didn't hear that. That's cool. I didn't think of it that way. I was thinking of him as Reed Richards this whole time. Doom. Doom. I, it's more of a stretch to see him as Reed than it is, is Doom for me. No because problem. I've already I know that he can play a super dark character really mm-hmm. well. 
Feige wants to, the Fantastic Four uh, to have uh, um, people of color characters, and Reed is likely going this route. Um, oh, that's cool. I'm yeah, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fantastic Four members are going to be in their mid thirties, minus Johnny, who will be played by an actor in his twenties. Let's see here. Some of the names that have been floating around for the fan. See, and this doesn't really add up with the previous rumor of people of color, a person of color. Um, it says some of the names I've heard floating around for the Fantastic Four in- include Kyle Allen, Jeremy Allen White, most recently in The Bear, Carrie Mulligan, um, Regé Jean Page. Elizabeth Debicki, Logan Lerman, and Diego Luna. So yeah, there's there's some there's some people of color in that in that, but not all. So um, those are interesting choices. I wonder if they've had Diego Luna. Didn't he play Ghost Rider? Yeah, in Agents of Shield. Maybe he'll flame on again as the Human Torch. But the, I don't think he seems <laughs> I don't think he seems young enough, right, for what they're looking no. for. If that's the truth. Oop. Isn't he playing Tommy in Last of Us also? I mean, granted, it isn't like he's been in more than the first episode, but. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he is playing Tommy. You're correct. Uh, Simon Baker plays Molecule Man, who will be introduced in the movie to have a bigger role in Secret Wars. Ah, nice. Yeah. No idea when they plan to announce the casting as they're still figuring stuff out, and a new draft was just uh, delivered two weeks ago. Uh, anyway, that's interesting. Interesting. I don't know. I, I take four chance. The one I take with a huge grain of salt. I, I think I, I would say that a lot of those are going to be bunk. A lot of those are going to be bullshit. Um, the Adam driver one might end up happening though. That, that'd be interesting if the Adam driver one, if he's actually playing doom, uh, John Campia was on his podcast and he, said he got a couple of screenshots from Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania. I'm going to play the audio here. This is what he says. I saw two images from Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania, and my jaw dropped. I had two images sent to me of Ant-Man and the Wasp, and all I'm going to say is that my jaw hit the floor with these two images. That so put my jaw on my lap, I'm like, I, I was instantly dubious about its validity, about it being real. I don't know if this thing's real or not. Although we've gotten a lot of very, very, very real images sent to us, but it's just, I'm just going to say it involved somebody that we do not see in any of the Ant-Man marketing. Um, and it just put my jaw, in my, again, maybe before the movie comes out, I'll, I'll let people know. I saw two images. That has me excited to see this movie. If that is John true. Camp, yeah. yeah, he's a reputable source, too. Like, he... Oh, what could it be? No, I mean, he got some of the Spider-Man No Way Home images and mm-hmm. post. He posted them on Twitter yep. and uh, saying, oh, these are fake, but I, th- I think I'll post them. Turned out to be real, was told by Disney to pull them down, and now he's lost his rights to go into the, the press screenings for for the Disney oh, stuff, I think. Yeah, yeah so yeah. they don't invite him to premieres anymore. Um so I firmly believe that this could be correct. Now, I have read a lot of reputable Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania spoilers, and 
in those spoilers, I have heard nothing about like what he's talking about here. Somebody outside the marketing showing up in the movie. So it really has me curious as to like who he could be talking about. So I don't know. Are we? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Is, is it like a new character that we have not seen yet, but we've been excited and, and anticipating? Or is it a character that we never thought we'd see again? Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah. and it's there's just been so many characters in the story, and it's the 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 way forward is just so wide open with possibility that hearing this that this guy's jaw hit the floor, man, I, I can't wait to hear what your reaction is ahead of seeing it myself. Oh, I hope it's true. You know, number one, I hope it's true. So, and you know, I mean. If you're listening the week that we record that episode, um, I'll the only thing I'll say is John Campillo was right, you know. So, yeah, I won't spoil it for anybody, but I'll let you know if he was right or not. I'm not gonna. Well, I'm not gonna wane it. Fuck. <laughs> not gonna. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna get on the episode and be like, "Oh my God, Doctor Doom shows up," you know. <laughs> I wonder what I wonder what Doctor Doom is doing out there in the universe right now. I wonder wonder what he's wonder what he's up to. <laughs> anyway, Wayne Wayne's done with me. He's like oh, <laughs> seriously. Let's jump into DC news. That's all I got from Marvel news this week, guys. Let's jump into some DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. All right, let's see here. Uh, News from the Insider. First off, uh, we're recording on January 30th. And uh, tomorrow is the last day for James Gunn to un- uh, like unveil, you know, uh, some of the, the, the uh, some of the future DCU slate that he promised, some of these announcements that he <laughs> promised. Yeah. So he's got tomorrow to release this. But uh, Dave Batista recently was talking about James Gunn and uh, talking about playing Bane and how it's not happening. And this is what he has to say because uh, he's talked to James Gunn. He said he's starting from scratch. Um, so despite his efforts, Dave Bautista has come to the realization that he will never play DC villain, comics villain Bane. Uh, that was confirmed, he said, in conversations with his Guardians of the Galaxy director, James Gunn, who is now overseeing the DC universe at Warner Brothers. Quote, I have had conversations with James about that, but I think the direction he's leaning in, completely rebooting that whole universe. He's starting from scratch and starting younger and fresher. And I think you need to do that. Um, I think for the DC universe to be revived, you need to start from scratch. And I think you need to start with younger actors. You need to start to plan for the next 15 years. And I just don't think that you can do that with me. And I understand that. And also, I have to say that I appreciate that because I don't want to play a character that I can't bring justice to. I don't think at this point in my career that I can bring justice to Bane anymore. I just don't know if I could handle the physical part. And I don't think I would have the longevity to plan ahead for films. So I just don't know if I'd be that guy. So apparently back in um, 
2021, Batista revealed that he put Warner Brothers on notice that he wanted to be the next actor to play the beefed up nemesis of Batman. And uh, I, I think since then, he's kind of seen his career flourish, uh, working with other directors, most recently uh, in Knives Out with Ryan Johnson. And, you know, next week, I believe we're getting uh, Knock at the Cabin. He's working with M. Night Shyamalan. I think his career's taken a, another trajectory where he realizes that he doesn't have to play the big guy. You know? Yeah, that's the same thing I was thinking, that these directors are starting to take him seriously as an actor and not just oh i need a muscle bound guy to play this scene yeah yeah and i i mean the physicality we know he's had to say stay a certain size to play drax he's in his 50s now it's just not he can't keep this up forever and so i think he's basically i think we're gonna see i think he's always gonna be big you can't yes. stop. He's all, but I think he'll lean out a little bit. He's just not going to be as, you know, jacked and, and huge as we've seen him before. He's going to get roles. We've seen him get roles. He was phenomenal in Glass Onion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. The dude is like turned out to be uh, of all these wrestlers that have turned into actors. He is the, the top dog. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, he, he even over Cena, and I think Cena's a close second. Yes, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm hesitantly excited to see what he's going to do in the Knock at the Cabin movie. Wayne, I know you're a wrestling fan. You know what? Uh, D- Dave Batista has gotten better throughout the years. It was very hard for me to take him seriously. And, and you know what? any wrestler when they would go over to movies ever since the rock did it anybody else who went after that it was just like hardcore judge like you're you got that's the bar that i always felt like was set for any wrestler to go over to acting was like you gotta be as good or better than the rock or it's all going direct to dvd and guys like john cena and batista have shown that that's not true it's like Mm -hmm. there's so many other things you could do out there so many other levels and, and like like uh like batista i never never i met him in real life and i i'll tell you what, i never would be like this is gonna be drax this is gonna be the guy who's gonna be like putting out movies like knock at the cabin and, and like glass onion and stuff like i never would have thought that when i first met him um yeah and like john cena like i never 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 would think he'd be peacemaker and be as big uh, of a star as he is and like i'm happy for these guys because it, it's difficult to transition from something like like pro wrestling and from so, people to take you serious out of that role into something like acting not everybody is the rock that has that charisma but like dave batista shows that he has range and like you said he doesn't have to be the the jacked guy he doesn't have to be you know, when when you're like, oh, well, what should we put him in the DC universe? Well, what's the jacked role we can put him in? Let's put him as Bane. Like, it's an obvious role. No, this, this guy could do so much more. So, I mean, yeah, he's not going to be Bane, which I'm kind of glad for. I, I think he's a little bit – he's 54. But, like, to keep that body, I guess, that we all picture Bane having, 
you know, I don't. I think that's kind of rough. I think Gaiden. I think Gunn is gonna fucking go. I think he's Give gonna go something else. Full comic book Bane. I'm thinking yeah. they're gonna do something like they did with the Juggernaut in Deadpool two. Right with right. whoever. Uh, yes, that please. would be nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he needs to be. Literally superhuman jacked. Yeah. Right. And they, and they need to give us the full Venom storyline with it. And I, I, if anything, I want to see him hit that button and get bigger. Yes. On the spot. Yes. Like, I want to see that happen. You just can't uh, do that. The with trans- just using, like, yeah. The transformation person. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That was always like one of like his scariest uh, uh, villains. I remember like as a kid. Like, you know, besides like Joker and that, but like Bane was always scary because Bane was like, this guy was huge. He was like, he physically outmatched Batman. Like he would s- literally snap the motherfucker in half and break his back. You know and what I mean? He was also like, really, really smart. So he was like dangerous yeah. on two fronts. Yeah. So like to, to I, I mean, come on. I, I want to see that again. I mean, <laughs> give, give me more Bane, but give me like a very scary Bane. I love well. I love the Tom Hardy Bane. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I love that version but too. With D, with with James Gunn taking over the DCU, the guy gave us Starro. Do you think he's going to hold back on Bane? I don't. I think we're going to go all out fucking comic book Bane, like Joe said, <laughs> yeah. with just getting bigger, injecting the venom. It's. I think it's happening. It made King Shark likable. I never thought I'd like King Shark. <laughs> made King Shark likable, so I was like, "Hey, you totally do this." Uh, the announcements are dropping tomorrow, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they better be dropping tomorrow. It's literally the last day you can drop them. He's doing it. Yeah, you can count on James Gunn. He's doing it. I think. I think his word is bond. Yeah, fingers crossed, dude. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to be, uh, you know, I still believe him. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think any actors are going to be announced. But I do think projects are going to be dropping tomorrow. I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, what he's setting up first is going to be really indicative. It's going to be the first hints of what the larger plan is beyond it. Mm-hmm. What sort of characters are you going to give us from the start? Is it going to be a traditional take? Or are you going to be riskier? And James Gunn is generally a riskier guy. And recently, these risks he's taken with unfamiliar characters have really paid dividends. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. This is, it's, I, I feel like either way, I'm very excited to see what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. I feel like this breath that we've been holding in as fans, we can finally like let out and like be kind of relaxed knowing where this is all going. Because right now, at least, I'm like super fucking anxious. Like, where is this going? Where are we going with this? Mm-hmm. Yep. Tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow is the day. So I'm looking forward to that. And that is all we have for this episode. Wayne. Wanna... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to, if you want to listen to me, you know, like not spoil. Well, okay, I guess spoil stuff on my own show podcast championship wrestling if you're into wrestling you know just make sure you've watched the events that he's talking about absolutely yeah no no check out wayne check out wayne on uh podcast championship wrestling uh like and subscribe do all that good shit uh we support you and we thank you for your support wayne and uh i hope i didn't come down on you too hard there buddy dude 
Absolutely not. I still give you a fucking five star review. But <laughs> <laughs> that is Joe, another week in the books. Yeah, yeah. Still having a good time. Yeah, we'll see how long this goes. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, what are we doing? What are we oh, yo, yo. what are we talking about next week? I think Knock at the Cabin comes out next week, Joe. Okay, yeah, I've not seen the list for next week yet, but I was assuming that was going to be on it. Uh, here we go. This is what I got so far. Um, Knock at the Cabin. Bill Russell, Legend. That's on, uh, that's, that's on Netflix. It drops on the 8th, on uh, February 8th. Bill Russell played with the Celtics. Um, I believe he won 11 championships. And yeah, that's impressive. It is impressive. Don't get me wrong. But I think back when Bill Russell played in the NBA, there was like nine teams. Okay. But uh, still, I'm not taking anything away from Bill Russell. Bill Russell, uh, and I think he just passed away last year, which um just just a legend. That's why it's called Bill Russell Legend. Uh, and then we're going to be watching uh, Pennywise, the story of it. Joe, that was something that you brought to me. Oh yeah, the documentary Ooh. about the '90s uh, TV miniseries. I wonder if, yeah, I wonder how much, how how deep they're going to go into that, man. Um, I remember Jonathan Brandis played one of the one of the kid actors. Uh, Jonathan Brandis no longer with us anymore. Committed suicide tragically. That that's a sad fucking story. Um, mm, yeah. Oh, and I saw this on Vice TV. It's called Icons Unearthed. It's a new series. This first entry in the series is The Simpsons. So it's Matt Groening, um, basically talking about the birth of the Simpsons. And I'm really looking forward to starting that. They're going all the way back to like him creating the characters and them starting out on the Tracy Ullman, uh, 30 minute sketch show, which was on Fox back in the day. One of the first, you know, shows, original shows on Fox. And that's where The Simpsons started, and it's just going to go into the history of The Simpsons. That's all I have right now on the list so far, but uh, I'll be adding more, and we'll be back next week, Joe. That sounded just like Alexander Skarsgård in Infinity Pool. Yeah, dude. I was I was looking forward to getting off this episode and watching another episode of Physical 100. I don't know what to do now. I might just jerk <laughs> off and go to bed. That's always a good plan B, right? Yeah, uh, yeah that's what I was just going to say. Never a bad plan B. <laughs> I just jerk off. I lay, on, I lay on my back, jerk off on my leg and wake up and then peel it off like a fruit roll-up. Aww. <laughs> You know, it's easy cleanup for the next day. Oh, shit. You know? Oh, God. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. I don't know. I I, I bought a new... Joe, I I bought a new facial mask. It's 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 a collagen mask from Mario Badesco. It's blue, and I put it on my face. Tightens my skin. (laughs) 
Well, dude, if it makes you happy, then I'm happy for you. I, no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't think the collagen mask actually does anything for my. It just makes my. It, it, it cools my face and makes my like my face feel clean. I don't think it's. Re- I like they got claims that it may, it'll make you look younger and shit like that. I don't think it's. I don't think it's doing that. I don't think it just makes my face feel refreshed and clean, Joe. Well, that's pretty cool then. Joe doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Joe doesn't. Every day I look in the mirror, see yeah. my hairline has receded a little bit further. I think, yeah, you could do that hymns thing or whatever, or fuck it. And I always choose fuck it. I, I use that. I use that shit. I go through keeps and I use that fucking pill, man. I'm just like, I, I'm using everything. See, you're fucking married. Right? No, this is true. I yeah. You could you, you could just you could just you could just let yourself fall apart <laughs> and it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so some guy uh I, I get compliments on my beard sometimes and I'm just like that gives me hope. So like if I end up shaving my head going bald, like at least I still have a beard. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, some people just can't grow beards, you know, or it's like really patchy. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Yep. It's mm. important. All right. Well, man, I appreciate you having me on here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what I have to. I, I feel like with you, it's like uh, you fuck, you spoil it, and and I take your I take your face like a dog rubbing it into the piss on the floor that you just created, and I and yeah. I I smack you with that rolled up newspaper. And it's like you're good for a little while, and then you come back and you show your your spoiler Wayne true colors later on in a future episode. And I gotta rub your face right back in the goddamn piss. And and, and you know what? It hurts me more than it hurts you. Yeah, it's like I'm a feral cat. You know, I've been out doing my own shit for a while. I was on Spoiler Steve's podcast. You know, Cinecast is spoiling shit. Well, you can do that there. They have exactly. that's where I'm. Getting it from Jesus Christ, but yeah, blame it on his podcast. <laughs> blame it on. <laughs> yeah, we can do it there, Brian. Yeah, oh, shit. Yeah. I blame it Sometimes on. Sometimes I get carried away. I'm sorry. Something. This is like the fifth time or something. I can't even keep track. <laughs> what are we gonna do with this guy, Joe? I don't know. At least it was just once this episode. It wasn't like I. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I was so fucking close to the end. I know. <laughs> I had I had a party popper. I was gonna fucking pull and everything. Now I fucking can't even do that. No. Nope. Celebrate. No. Nope. Put that back in the drawer. Save it for the next episode. <laughs> you got very close though. It was like literally the last thing we reviewed. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go. Let's go out. Let's go out on this one. We're all friends. Yep, yep, yep. We're all friends. <laughs> I think you know. Seriously, sometimes as a as a good friend, you've got to have that intervention. I get it. And that's what we did here today. And Joe, I hated dragging you into this impromptu intervention, but I'm glad you stood by me and realized he's got a fucking problem. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to show that mirror. <laughs> I think Joe is sitting on the sidelines there for a while, not as like, you know, like a bystander, but by somebody, he was just waiting for somebody to take the first step in, in, in Wayne's recovery. And when he saw me 
fucking, you know, take over, Joe was like, yeah, this this needed to happen, Brian. I've got your back. <laughs> I'm a true friend. I've got your back. He's got a problem. I'm glad somebody finally spoke up. I think I got to take less notes. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> yeah, don't write any notes about the fucking third act. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think after this episode, people are going to be wondering, like, I wonder what Wayne's up to. Spoiler you know, shit. I'm talking about you know, 20 episodes down in the future when I haven't invited you back. They're going to be wondering you about you just the same way that you're wondering about Jason Derrick Brown. Oh, yeah, what's, man. What's Jason Derrick Brown up to? Where is he at? People are going to be like, I wonder where Wayne's at. Don't tell me about surprise parties or the fact that you're getting engaged or that you're having a baby. I might spoil it. Yeah. Here's the thing. You know where to find Wayne. He's going to be on Steve's podcast, spoiling shit. <laughs> so listen to Scene It Cast for any future uh, Wayne uh, appearances. Let's end this bitch now, Joe. And until next week, we're putting a lid on it. You did a good job there, too, Joe. You did a good job. You did a good job. See, I took all the pressure off of you this episode, and I just – Pushed it towards Wayne. I just. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, see you next week. Later. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. By the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it, race it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. That original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers, and with the uncool.